0: Greetings brothers and sisters. This is Sister Sonia here at Last Remnants of God's Army. Thank you so much for joining me here today on my channel. Please feel free to like, share, and subscribe. Folks, today I'm going to share something rather interesting and intriguing. um, uh, But before I do today on this subject matter, I want to explain why I posted those several last videos. Um, The Holy Spirit had really stirred up my heart to expose the works of darkness and to try to convince those who are endrossed in this area to come out of this now the lord is not going to be complacent and be accepting toward what we do that's just not how he rolls so he really pressed it upon my heart to do this i was really uncomfortable and unsettled with this and i asked him in prayer i said lord are you sure you want me to do this Uh, Because uh, I'm not comfortable with this, but please give me strength if you if this is what you want and He was very adamant about it. So the past several days prior to me making these videos these past several videos um, were in reflection of Trying to get me to understand what he's doing, but I couldn't fully understand at the time so after I did these videos I went back and prayed I said Lord if I may ask why did you cause for me to do these videos it's not in my element and in my nature well basically he didn't answer me by speaking in a still small voice he did it inaudibly sort of speak and led me to understanding why he did what he caused for me to do what he wanted for me to do so you see it's not a a a mere measure of me just doing what i feel like and expressing my opinions my thoughts my my uh, you know whatever He wants me to do the working of his will, which is to help to shake up a lot of people who are complacent in these last days. And it's not just Muslims, it's everybody who is complacent, even Christians, Catholics. I mean, everybody who's complacent in the realm of religion. And there's a big spiritual war going on behind all this. And therefore, he wants to make sure that everybody who's his is completely awakened spiritually is completely uh, getting themselves ready when jesus yeshua does come back a second time and he will he uh when i had my experience of seeing him the first time i was taken back so deeply and severely humbled so deeply i did not know what to say to him his power and his presence was so amazingly powerful I could not compete with him if I wanted to and tell him you're a wrong God. No, I felt his presence. It was supremely powerful to the point where I was severely humbled and I let him do the talking. I did not know what to say to him. So with this regard, he commissioned for me to do this and to which is to spread the gospel and to expose works of darkness because he knows that for those who don't know, Uh, for many years prior to me getting saved over to jesus christ himself i was involved in satanism i was involved in witchcraft i was involved in occultic practices just like the one you're about to see today and it's a very dangerous form of practice because it destroys it's all about destruction and so for those who are invested and involved in that too i pray too that they come out of this stuff too and come back to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's the one who will save you. you know how many witches and warlocks and sorcerers and Satanists and all the sort have gotten saved because of Jesus? He made his presence known. And even to the Muslim people, you know how many times I hear testimonies about Jesus revealing himself to those who go to sleep at night? They don't expect for him to come. He did the same thing with me. I didn't expect for him to come. I was expecting for someone else to come, even death. But he came for me, he rescued me, and he saved my life. He spared my soul from perishing, and here I am today, testifying on the Word of God, testifying on the truth, while exposing the works of Satan. That's why I do what I do, and I love the Lord with all of my heart, my soul, my spirit, and my might, and I'm going to continue to do the working of the Lord as long as it takes until the very last breath of my life. Amen. So, with this said, beloveds, I want to introduce you to another subject matter, an issue that is happening. This is a newfound, you could say, uh, problem within Christianity and Islam. It's called chrislam. I'm sure a lot of you heard the terminology, but not too, from, too really, too well aware of what's in, embedded in it. We're gonna go through it, and we're gonna listen to also some videos about who the Antichrist is. Through the biblical perspective from the Bible's understanding, okay, and we're also going to take a contrasting factor through the what the Quran says as well through several videos, uh, amen. So I'm sorry for the blurty blurriness, but it's basically saying, and I have another uh, thing for you. Uh, I'll just go to the next one. So basically, what it was saying is, Chrislam. What is Chrislam exactly? Well, Chrislam is an attempt to secretize, secretize Christianity with Islam. Now, while it began in Nigeria in the 1980s, the Chrislamic ideas have spread throughout much of the world to and even so today. Now the essential concept of Chrislam is that Christianity and Islam are compatible. This is what they think uh, that one can be a Christian and a Muslim at the same time. Now Chrislam is not an actual religion, okay, of its own, but it's rather a blurring of the differences and the distinctions between Christianity and Islam. So it's just mixing up the c- core values of what Islam entails and what Christianity entails. This is a very dangerous form of teaching. This is a very dangerous form of quote unquote religion, if you even call that. I don't even know what to call this, honestly, but this is a very f- dangerous form of teaching. This is why for my Muslim friends, a lot of you who, who turn to Christianity do not bring Islam into the picture. You leave everything behind to start anew when you become a, a follower of Jesus Christ. When you come to Christianity, do not bring Islam in the picture. I'm telling you this because a lot of uh, people make a mistake on this part. Now advocates of Islam point to facts such as Jesus being mentioned 25 times in the Quran or Christianity and Islam having similar teachings on the morals and ethics which is slightly so to a certain degree it is true or the need to for the two largest monotheistic religions to unite in order to fight against the rise of atheism and alternative spirituality that's like new age movement now Islam is viewed by some of the solution some as a solution for the ongoing conflict between the western world which is predominantly wholeheartedly christian okay and the middle east which is wholeheartedly and predominantly of muslim or islamic culture okay now while it is undeniable that there are many similarities in between christianity and islam even judaism okay for that matter chrislam ultimately fails because christianity and islam are diametrically opposed against one another and and especially on the most important issues regarding the identity of who jesus christ really is now true christianity declares that jesus is god incarnate and also that he is the son of god the son of man as well he is the three part persons in one and so for Christians, the deity of Christ is not negotiable for without his deity Christ's death, Jesus's death on the cross would not have been a sufficient thing, a form of atonement of a sacrifice for all the sins of the entire world. Read that in first John chapter two, line two. So therefore, there's a conscious stark contrast with Islam and Christianity on that regard alone. They don't believe Islamic people don't believe that jesus died on the cross for us but they do believe he died and then he was resurrected and that allah took him to heaven that they don't they deny that he had to die for our sins he was the past to us as we understand also from the jew judaic perspective he is the passover lamb from the ma- for, um, but the jews too have a problem with declaring that jesus is lord and savior that's why the muslims you know, they, they take that side of Judaism and kind of roll with it. But keep in mind to my Muslim friends, even to the Orthodox Jews, the rabbis got that wrong. Even to the Jews, they got that wrong. The Messianic Jews, however, stand in agreement that Jesus, Yeshua, is in fact the, Meshiach, the Messiah, and that he is in fact the Savior of the world. And so they do take upon... Christian values but they also retain the Jewish customs as well according to what the Old Testament says the Torah states okay so there's a difference between that uh, there's a different sects with when it comes to Jew, um, um, the values of Judaism there are different types of Jews in there just like there are different types of Muslims just like there are different types of Christians now keep in mind islam ad- adamantly rejects the deity of christ as i said earlier now the quran declares that the idea is that jesus is god uh, that um jesus is god uh, you know they redeemed they deemed that to be a form of blasphemy according to quran chapter 5 line 17 now um their belief in the deity of christ is considered to be a shirk which is known as polytheism according to muslims they think of him as a separate deity of its own but that's not the case he's actually a part of the father but he's not exactly a hundred percent the father himself but together they are one because it's a makeup portion of body soul spirit when they make us he we are the reflection of who the the father really is of who God really is, and therefore, if the, we are the reflection of body, soul, spirit, the body represents Jesus Christ, the soul represents um, <coughs> the uh, the Holy Spirit, and uh, the spirit represents that of the Father. Then we are. Underst- we have to be understanding that we too are three-part persons in one. We're made as a whole, but we also have different ele- different com- uh, com- uh, elements embedded in us as well that's a that's what um the lord is trying to indicate to everyone and if you think of it this way the first portion of the bible the torah deals with god the father who talks and deals with his children of israel from the early beginnings from adam on all the way through the kingdom of jerusalem then later on in the second half of the Bible, we see Jesus, the son of God, who becomes son of man. He's sent to the earth to deal with the Israelites too. And then eventually he gets rejected. He gets put on the cross. The Romans confirm this as well, that he was a Roman centurion. A couple of Roman centurions, rather, confirmed that he is, in fact, the uh, son of man, that he is God in the flesh made into man and later on when after we see through the rest of the bible we've seen the spirit the holy spirit being imparted into us now so when we operate with the holy spirit we are operating through the father the same measure as when jesus was embedded with the holy spirit the father came down this was a prophecy fulfilled in isaiah that the that um the the god would come down and his name shall be called Emmanuel which means god with us and we also see in another circumstance that angel, the angel Gabriel told Mary she's going to bear a son into the world and he shall be called Jesus Jesus Yeshua means the one who saves means salvation So with this being said, this is imperative to understand that throughout the whole Bible, we have the Father in the beginning, then the Son in the second half of the Bible, as well as the Holy Spirit from the remainder portion of the Bible. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all dealing with us. They were all visiting us. And now we have an impartation of the Holy Spirit embedded in us, which still continues to this day as well. And there's a deep, stuff about this that goes on and i talk about this with a lot of the um holy biblical feast videos so there's a tie to this with that if you want to check it out uh, so going back to this further islam denies the fact that the of uh, the, uh, the death of jesus christ on the cross they they put this is in surah uh, chapter 4 and um line 157 to 158 now the most crucial doctrine of christian faith is there is rejected uh, in islam now as a result of these two religions they're absolutely not compatible whatsoever thus making chrislam a concept between uh, both christians and muslims a matter that in which they should reject now with this being said folks i'm sorry um i'm gonna share something interesting with you because they're in the bib in the bible we-, we know what's happening in the last days is that this plays a very pivotal connection of what's about to take place. So I wanna share with you that this has a lot to do with the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse. And who are the Four Horsemen of Apocalypse and what do they represent? I'm gonna give you a brief description. So from the Bible, in chapter six of the book of Revelation, they are summoned from the first of the four out of the seven seals of judgment jesus reads is going to read the scroll and i believe that's our title deed to reinstate us back as sons and daughters of as rulers of the earth hallelujah because it's a i believe it's a deed that he's going to read to satan and to all those who are trying to oppose yahweh and let them be known to them these children that are mine and this is their inheritance hallelujah so he sent to create the divine apocalypse upon the world for the last judgment so this is just a chart if you will a brief version made simple regarding the book of revelation so we see the first couple of uh, chapters the first chapter one was talking about the glory of Jesus Christ according to the vision of John, what he had saw when he was in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was definitely upon him. So therefore, he visited the kingdom of heaven in his spirit while he was in prison in in the island of Patmos. But his spirit ascended to heaven, to the throne room. And he saw Jesus Christ in his true nature, in his true form. And a lot of you could attest the same thing that in which John saw is what I saw. He was very, he had this glow onto him. And this is the same thing Moses saw. He had this glow on him that was so bright that it, you know, if you were a sinner, this would kill you. Excuse me. So this is what caused for John to fall on his face. Because he was afraid this blinding light would kill him. But the lord came to him and you know he told him fear not i am the alpha the omega this is a greek it's really in hebrew the aleph and the tav has a deep meaning to it the aleph represents in hebrew strength like an ox the tav represents that of a cross in the ancient hebraic uh, symbol it's also introvertedly used as the door the door to salvation hallelujah and this is something that the jews didn't even realize they they you know about jesus uh, regarding passover in the story of exodus hallelujah so jesus introduces himself in his true form to john then he sends him to write letters to the seven churches this is in chapters two and three of revelation and they do a critique of the lord jesus he king jesus he does a critique on the churches based on how where they are at in their spiritual level of faith, where they're going wrong, and what they need to do to correct themselves in order to receive, receive salvation when Jesus comes back. This is something we all need to consider too. And It was not just only for the churches, it's meant for everyone too, in the last days. Then we get a vision of God's throne room, of what's going to happen. So, at this time period, you know, by chapter 5, we get to the book of, this, of the seals where nobody could open it except for one. And that's the lamb who had been slain. Who's the lamb? The lamb is Jesus. Did not John the Baptist say in the gospel of John, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Hallelujah. This is deep, heavy stuff, folks. Then by the time we get to chapter 6 is where I want to focus in on the the six seals get opened before the wrath of God commences. We see that the four horsemen are red, uh, white, red, black, and pale, like a pale green. And also we see in addition to that the souls of those who are in Christ that get uh, martyred, they go, they rise up under the altar where blood spills out of and they cry to the lord how much longer until you avenge us for the blood that has been spilt and then at this point in time the lord gets really angry and really shows his stuff when he um goes on forth to deal with the people on the earth hallelujah so you can read the book of revelation this was actually the first book i read when i first started reading the bible and it's not scary at all especially christians i'm telling you don't be afraid to read this book. Learn it. The first chapter gives you a blessing. This is the only book I know that where you receive a blessing. Aside from Yahweh giving the Aaronic blessing, this is the only book of the Bible that gives you an actual blessing to you directly. So please read it. You're, there's good stuff in there too. There's going to be a back and forth between things that go on in heaven and things that go on on the earth. That's all. That's it. So again, this is, you know, going on forth with the judgments of the churches, okay? I'm not going to read it right now. I'll do it for next time uh, when I do the whole of horsemen of apocalypse, okay? But um, to share with you this, you know, to make it, I'm going to just pull this screen up a little bit more okay this is these are the problems of the church the only two churches that did really well were um the church of smyrna and the church of philadelphia everybody else failed and that's why the lord critiques the problems of the church and he gives them solutions to their problems so that way they can have an opportunity of getting rescued and saved and this applies to everybody now not just to these churches but okay i'll read it fine (laughs) you caught you you convinced me so in ephesus the church of Ephesus, he says nevertheless i have somewhat of a problem against you because you have left my first love who's who's the first love jesus so remember therefore from when you have fallen repent and do the first works that i gave to you or else i'm going to come to you quickly and i'm going to remove your candlestick out of this place except uh, so except unless if you repent what is he saying? I'm going to take the Holy Spirit away from you unless if you repent. He that And this is the overcoming. He that has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I'm going to give you the to eat out of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Hallelujah. Remember what Adam and Eve were forbidden to do after they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The Lord put a cherubim angel... And this is chapter three of Genesis. The Lord put a cherubim in front of that tree of the law of the of life. Okay, that's the tree of eternal life. Why? Because they were sinners. So He was afraid that if they would do that, we would not exist today. They would be they would be destructive in every possible way. So that's why He had to put a stop to that. And now He's going to remove that you know, cherubim out the way so that now we'll get an opportunity to freely eat when we get to the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. So now for the church of Smyrna, I know your works and your tribulation and your poverty. Uh, These are those, but uh, these are those who say that they're poor, but you're rich, you're rich in the spirit, you're rich in the word of God. And I know the blasphemy of them that which they say that they are Jews, but they're not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. These are those who claim to be a part of Jesus Christ. And these are those who claim that there's, you know, that they receive the word and, you know, they mix up everything else and whatnot. And they teach um, things of satanic utterings and whatnot. They, they deceive. And that's why Jesus said these are the synagogue of Satan. But he and this is the overcoming promise. He who has an ear, let him hear to what the spirit has to say to the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death." These are those who were persecuted. This is the church of persecution. And the Jews and the Christians, the early century Christians, were being persecuted severely because of their level of faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ moved them. Hallelujah. And that's why they ended up getting killed for it. Sound familiar to the Muslim uh, Quran? Now, to the uh, letter to Pergamos. But I have a few things against you because they're uh, them that has held onto the doctrine of Balaam. Who's Balaam? You got to go back into the Old Testament scripture in order to understand. He's the one who tried to curse, to put a curse on the Israelites. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling uh, block before the children of Israel, there you go, to eat things that were sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So these are uh, worship paganism, polytheism, idolatry, sexual morality, you name it. So, so has you also them who held on to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which the thing that I hate. He's talking about the Nicolaitans, the Romans. Who also did the same exact thing he who has an ear let him hear to what the spirit is saying to the churches to him that overcomes i will give to eat the hidden manna the hidden bread that's the word of god and will give to him a white stone and in the stone a new name will be written which no man knows saving he that receives it this name is going to be exclusive only to you and to jesus christ hallelujah now we get to the church of thyatira notwithstanding i have a few things against you because you suffer from that woman jezebel the spirit of jezebel in your churches even christian churches today you got the spirit of jezebel in you got to get her out of there which calls herself a prophetess To teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. These are people who think they know the word of God, but they don't. They teach an error. They teach harlotry according to their own satisfaction. And I gave her space to repent. I gave her time to repent of her fornication and she repented not. She said very clearly, I sit as a queen. I don't sit like a a mourning widow. I'm a queen. I get to do whatever I want. Very haughty against the eyes of the Lord. Now, he that overcomes, however, those who are stay faithful and keeps the works until the end, to him I'm going to give the power over the nations. Do you know you're going to co rule and co reign with Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. He said it very clearly. I'm going to give you power over the nations. You get an chi- a opportunity to be a ruler with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he shall rule with them with a rod of iron. And the vessels of the potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. So you get to exhort the same type of things that Jesus Christ as a king gets to do. He will tell you who will get to do that stuff as your reward when he gives the reward. Hallelujah. the church of sardis be watchful and strengthen the things that which remain that you are ready to die for that are ready to die i have not found your works perfect before the lord these are those who are losing faith these are those who are just questioning everything the word of god is saying he says very clearly here's your reward he that overcomes the same shall be clothed in white raiment you're going to get a white robe folks And I will not blot out his name. Your name will not be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Your name will be confessed before the father. Jesus is going to stand before you in the heavenly courts. And he's going to attest on your behalf. You got a court case up against you because of Satan. And Jesus Christ is going to be your attorney and he's going to save you from your sins if you accept him and he's going to advocate for you and talk about your name in the heavenly courts and make it known to the father that you are going to be chosen because of what jesus is doing he's advocating on your behalf as the defending attorney the prosecutor is satan he goes and accuses you before day and night before the father because of your sins, but Jesus stands in the gap on our behalf, and He advocates on our behalf, and says, "This person's not guilty because I plead my blood over this person. I rebuke everything Satan does. This child is mine. Hallelujah." Now, to the Church of Philadelphia, this is one of the the, the praised churches. Behold, I will make them. A synagogue of Satan, which they say that our Jews are not. We saw this earlier. The, the, okay. But, and, um, but they do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship you at your feet. Whoa, this is heavy. So you become not only a ruler, but those who blasphemed you, like those who blaspheme me. You're gonna end up worshiping me at my feet. Why? Because they will know that I, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord and Lords, known, I uh, will make known to these people that I have loved you. Hallelujah. This is deep, folks. This is heavy. To him that overcomes, I'm gonna make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Whoo! And he shall go out no more. He's gonna be with the Lord. Hallelujah. I want that. <laughs> And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of my city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, by the way, which will come down from the heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. You get a new name from the Lord. Hallelujah. You won't be called your earthly name anymore. This is a, you get a new whole new identity, folks laodiceans i know your works that you're neither hot or cold you're not on fire for the lord or you're not too cold that you rebuke him i would rather you i wish you were uh, either hot or cold because you're lukewarm and you're neither cold or hot for me i'm going to spew you i rather uh, say the words it's more stronger to understand i will vomit you out of my mouth meaning the lord saying you make me sick because you don't worship and have me and you don't advocate for me the way you say you do one minute you're hot on fire for me and the next you turn me off for your selfish desires i wish you were hot or cold for me i wish you were hot on fire for me that's why the lord says very clearly in the scriptures and even the jews know this to have a zeal for the lord hallelujah here's the reward though to those that do overcome that stay faithful and stay on fire to him that overcomes i'm gonna grant with him to sit with me on my throne hallelujah i want to sit on god's throne too. (laughs) hallelujah even as i also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne hallelujah you get an opportunity to sit with the father at the throne and again, this is, you know, the same thing. The, the seven churches, you know, the com- the commendation, the commend, you know, the Lord commends you what he knows. Okay. He knows your the for Ephesus. He knows your good works, your patience, your lay, your laboring. And he also knows you hated the Nicolaitans. Okay. But the problem is you left your first love. Remember from where you fell from and go back and repent, pick up from where you left off. Okay. And I will give you for you as a reward, the, um, to eat from the tree of life for smyrna he knows your works and your tribulation and your poverty he knows you're going through a hard time but there's nothing to criticize about you but he says very clearly as a form of counsel be fear not remain faithful be faithful and and endure until the end amen because if you do this, you and if you do this, you're not going to be hurt by the second death. That's the second judgment. That's the judgment for the dead and the wicked. Revelation chapter twenty. Church of Pergamum, you, he knows your works. Even though you have, you have. Felt, there are some who have felt held fast to his name. There are some who has not denied his faith, but there's a problem. Many have falsely taught about the doctrines of balaam and the nicolaitans they're putting curses upon people unbeknownst to them he tells people to repent and if you do so i will give you a a hidden manna the hidden word the hidden bread and a white stone with a new name written on it just between you and the lord i'll tell you thyra this is the pagan church okay the Ephesus is the apostolic church church of smyrna was the persecuted church Church of Pergamum is the indulged church okay these are people indulging in their revelries Tyra, the pagan church this is worshiping to Satan I know that your works you do good works out of love and patience and servants okay? And etc. However you follow you allow for dead Jezebel to teach you idolatry and to compromise things. Do you know what our churches are going through today, our Christian churches? We're compromising with the whole LGBTQ. We're compromising. Let everybody be accepting toward every form of religious practice possible. That is the wrong way to get people saved over to Jesus Christ. You're indulging on their uh, um, practices of Satanism. That's what it is. Anything that doesn't have anything to do with God is a form of satanic practice. It's sinful. But we have that problem in a lot of churches today, especially in the Catholic churches. They're the uh, Don't let me go there. Don't get me started. The Lord tells us, this church, Thyatira, as a form of counsel, hold fast to what you have until I come. Whatever faith you got left up in you, hold on to it. The Lord's coming. He reminds you of this. And if you do, then I will give you leadership and the morning star. You get to be a, a, a amazing ruler in the kingdom of heaven. You get to take over the, the, the morning star. You get to take over the same job uh, that um, Jesus has. He's the morning star, the dawn star of Satan, okay? The morning star, you get to take over Satan's job too. <laughs> Look at that. Sardis, you're the dead church. This was from the time of the uh, 1520s in the, and you could look at the dates too. This helps you to understand. This is during the time of the Protestant Reformation movement, during the medieval ages. I mean, though the um during the Renaissance age. Excuse me. They, he says very clear. I know your works. I know uh, you know that that for my name that you live, but you're dead. Your works are not complete therefore watch and be sober sober yourself straighten strengthen the things that which remain remember to hold fast same counsel and repent so if you do you'll be clothed with a white robe a white remnant and i will not blot out of your name of the book of life to the Church of Philadelphia, this is the Christ Church. This is a passionate church from 1750 onward. We know your works. We know your missions. Even though you're wearied, you're worn out, you have very little strength left. But yet you kept my word. You haven't denied my holy name. Not And there's not one word in regards of criticism. He tells, hold fast to whatever you have left with you, okay? Let no man take away your crown. This is what Paul reminds the people of too. And if you do so he's going to make you a pillar in the temple and he's going to write upon you the name of god and give you a new name hallelujah and to the church of laodicea this is the lukewarm church this is those who are falling away and becoming more apostic there's no word of you know good good you know commendation out of this he says very clearly you all you care about is your riches you're a very lukewarm church you're very rich you say you're rich but you're actually wretched miserable poor blind and naked you have no riches you only have your material wealth but when you pass away folks what's going to happen to all that it stays behind while you go on to the next dimension of life he counsels you to buy gold that is tried in the fire and he and a white robe to clothe you your nakedness and shame and guilt is being exposed your spiritual side of you you're spiritually naked you have no spiritual clothing on you get gold refined in the fire repent be zealous for the works of the lord and repent and if you do so i will give you an opportunity to sit with me on my throne jesus is giving us an opportunity for a lot of these things amen so this uh, is a rough chart of the Book of Revelation. Although I don't agree with everything that it's showing here, but this is just a rough idea uh, for now. I'm, I just, and you know, in the midst of this, if you could see here, I'm gonna zoom in quickly. Okay, uh, as we go through this, I know it's hard to see. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna zoom in here. So, the ma- this is like a rough map. All right of what jesus did i just read to you this part we're not getting raptured, just to let you know we're going through the tribulation We the, the first seals are going to get broken which is where i'm going to focus in on a little more and then once jesus you know sends for us the last trump i believe is where you know it's possible that around the you know end of the trip toward the end of the tribulation period is where we're gonna be seeing Jesus Christ so he has the seven trumpets now during this time we're gonna see an impersonation of the satanic unholy trinity. they're known as the unclean frog spirits that reflect off of here as you can see on the map toward the right side okay your un- your unclean frogs right here by revelation 17 the bowls okay those are your unclean spirits and out of this will come forth the dragon who was cast out of heaven in chapter 12 read revelation chapters 12 and 13 Who give credence to Who gives authority Satan is gonna give authority as he persecutes the woman which is israel And the remnant of the woman is the saints of the most high those who are believers in jesus christ He's gonna give authority to the beast the there's the beast of the sea the beast of the earth okay the beast is the antichrist the beast of the sea and the beast is a false prophet okay just to let you know and then all this will you know come to its end you gotta read the bible though folks in order for you to understand what is going on and you have to go back and forth between the bible books in order to understand you can read it first as um, the um, as, as such and then after when you read and you want to discover certain things about it you're gonna have to go back and forth Daniel plays a pivotal role with the book of Revelation and so. On. but again I don't agree a hundred percent with this map per se although it's nicely done but anyhow so we're gonna we're focusing on the seven seals okay of the book of Revelation and this is very interesting because Matthew also talks about this too we're in the beginning of the birth pang stages regarding the four horsemen of apocalypse as well as getting ready for this abomination of desolation who is also an known from the Islamic side of things as the Mahdi but to us as Christians true Christians and the uh, messianic jews we know that this is um satan in disguise and so we're going to go through lots of heavy amounts of persecution and hard labor for the next three and a half years Oh, uh, well, after the antichrist comes on the scene it's not a seven year period tribulation it's the last three and a half year period of tribulation you have to take into account the first century christianity that what had happened to them when they started accepting jesus christ okay there was an antichrist spirit in the midst using a lot of these roman emperors to tear down the flames of the testimony of jesus christ and then va- later on by emperor constantine he issued an edict and a decree to incorporate it with paganism cuz he wanted to retain paganism and the pagan traditions for the sake of his reputation being put on the line but he also was intrigued by christianity too which was really reformed judaism but notice that these things have a very interesting parallel as well so we know that the first seal that gets broken is the the first horseman okay the white horse so he sits on a bow all right and he has a crown, a corona, on his head. He goes forth to conquer and to conquer. Now, I'm gonna, you're going to see the um, connections in a little bit. Then we see the red horse come after who takes away peace. So, this is your false peace coming in. Notice he doesn't have a bow. Uh, an arrow, excuse me. He doesn't have an arrow, but he has a bow. A bow represents, if you understand it, from what the story of Noah entailed, you'll understand that a bow was representative of a covenant, a pact, a peace treaty, if you will. Then it gets taken away by the sword, okay, which is the second seal, which represents war. Then by the third seal, we see the black horse with the pair of scales, which represents famine so while we go through this warfare there's going to be a rise of food shortages and then you finally get the fourth seal which is hades he's going to go forth to kill a fourth of the earth as well and bring death upon the earth and wild beasts are also going to kill people too wild animals in the midst so we see he's going to kill with the sword famine pestilence and wild beast this has a parallel in the bible with matthew 24 this is what Jesus had warned. Jesus warned in Matthew 24 everything, and it was interesting because this is a precursor to what is going to be fulfilled by the time we get to the book of Revelation. So, Jesus warned us about false Christ and false, you know, that are going to come forth on the seal. And we're going to see that happen with the white horse seal, the Antichrist, which I believe is going to be the Mahdi, because he's going to take on a global scale, who's going to be the ultimate, quote unquote, Messiah to the Jews and to the Islamic people this false this cry this Mahdi but to us Christians we're gonna see it as the false Antichrist for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and he gives us warning to stay on guard for this regard because even the elect can be deceived if you're not rooted in the Bible that is and you're not spiritually getting yourself prepared for this battle it's a spiritual warfare folks So we're also going to see a rise of wars as we see wars and rumors of wars right nations rising up against nations kingdoms against kingdoms We're also going to see that being fulfilled with the red horse in chapter 6 Of the book of revelation We also see a rise of famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse Places are we not starting to see these things happen right now? We're seeing a rise of famines food shortages prices are going up with food. It's getting expensive pestilences outbreaks of diseases we're hearing every day something new is breaking out we're also hearing about this disease x that's coming onto the scene it's going to affect the world on a very terrible scale and we're seeing earthquakes weathering uh, catastrophes happening all over the place volcanic eruptions tsunamis flooding like never seen before and all the sorts a lot of weathering anomalies but regarding the issue of famine, this is reflected off of the horsemen, uh, the, the black horse. Then we see that people are going to rise up to kill us. This is important. This is why I want to show you this. People are going to rise up. They're going to persecute Christians and Jews, mainly Christians, and then the Jews, because the Jews are going to be saved for last because they don't believe in Jesus being the Messiah. Not all of them do. Only the Messianic Jews do. But they're going to kill us And we're gonna be hated on and persecuted for the namesake of jesus christ remember that and that's coming all forth by the pale horse who's gonna kill with sword with famine with plagues with wild animals etc okay we're gonna see that all right when we're also gonna see death as well people are gonna be murdered as i said and they're going to rise up to as martyrs in their spirits up into the altar the souls of the those beheaded are going to rise up unto the altar of the lord and they're going to cry out oh lord how much more until you avenge for our death how much more blood must be spilt until you come and avenge us for what is done and then he's gonna you know at that right moment, he's going to take a stand and things are are really going to get heated, (coughs) folks. So again, the white horse is going to be someone who's going to conquer. And I saw the lamb when the lamb opened up on one of the seals. And I heard as if it were a noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold the white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth to conquering and to conquer this is not Jesus Christ for Christians this is the antichrist this horseman has been interpreted in several different ways now in this context conquering meant the spreading of the word of god across the land that's how that why some people believe it's Jesus Christ but remember he doesn't come until way later until after the antichrist comes okay so be careful with that the reason why this rider is dressed in white would have been because traditionally it's been the color which is associated with by bi- with the bible as a form of purity and christ-like and righteousness this is why a lot of people are going to be deceived and i believe he might be drunk this antichrist will come in dressed in white he's going to mock and mimic everything jesus christ is going to do so in the, in the mid 19th century some claimed that this horseman represented something closer To that of the Antichrist and was not to be seen as a positive figure, but rather the white horseman was also thought to symbolize war, which would thus make sense considering that war and conquest would often go hand in hand with each other, but war is more commonly associated with the red horseman. Amen. So you may see that many would refer to the forced horseman as also pestilence instead of conquest, and there are a few reasons for that. And this is just to clarify for the Christian people, too. War and conquests are quite similar, yes, and so in the last few hundred years, writers and scholars have insisted that the first horsemen with, uh, would, um, with infectious diseases and the bringer of plagues. Now the Romans had interpreted all the four horsemen slightly differently. They saw them as representing or prophesying the future of the Roman Empire. And thus, the color white to them was a symbolic representation of triumph and political success and prosperity. That's why uh, it's believed that the fourth kingdom would be that of Rome. But I'm starting to uh, think that it's something else, folks. Although, uh, because Rome didn't conquer much of the Middle East, and I looked at the maps and I had to reread the Bible. So I stand corrected on the beast video on that regard, but everything else was correct for the most part although the white horseman may not have been seen as christ by the romans they also have um some him uh, some him largely as a positive uh figure sorry i put the wrong sum. Okay. so he's known to be now i want to do a contrasting factor i'm going to do compare and contrast with this white horse versus jesus christ they both carry a bow right so this bow represents a covenant as we see in daniel chapter 7 the antichrist will the abomination of desolations he's going to um, establish a covenant for one week now this horse does not have an actual name to it he goes forth to conquer and to conquer as we see in matthew 24 false christ or the antichrist he's going to be the one to um interject this false peace the peace of course you know and then you see what the what the scriptures are saying then he shall they shall talk a piece of safety and then sudden destruction shall fall upon them like a woman travailing in birth he's given a crown he only wears one crown and war famine and pestilence and death they follow after him now when we compare this to Jesus Christ we see a totally different picture here i'm going to read this to you revelation 19 chapter lines 11 through 14 now when i have op- when i saw heaven open behold a white horse and he who sat upon him was called faithful and true. And on his head were many crowns. So there's a difference right there. This antichrist like being is as one crown, but Jesus has many crowns, hallelujah. And he was clothed with the robe dipped in blood. All right. So he's dipped his blood as a symbolic representation that he have, uh, has one, He has absorbed the blood of the saints. Okay. Cause there's so much blood that had been spilt in two he is the one who propitiates our sins through his blood because his blood is precious now his name is called the word of god this is jesus christ called the word of god attach this to the gospel of john my muslim friends and the armies of heaven clothed him uh, um And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen and white and clean followed him on white horses so we see that he has a bow but this bow is established as a rainbow or covenant which was uh, mentioned in genesis chapter 6. we see he does carry a sword with him okay he's going to war he's called faithful and true he has a name he's also called the word of god Jesus is the word of God hallelujah his robe is dipped into blood the blood of the saints of the most high he's going to avenge them as we see he wears many crowns and in addition to that armies in the heaven uh, that are clothed in white linen they follow Jesus in this warfare so there's a stark difference between this false antichrist who's going to bring peace upon the earth but instead he brings a lot of calamity and then some a lot of chaos versus the jesus christ who comes to rescue his bride and therefore he goes to war against this Antichrist. amen so we see again in first thessalonians chapter 5 line 3 while people are saying peace is safety destruction will come upon him suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they shall not escape these are those who think that they have solutions for this earth this earth is tainted with evil and sin galore and these are those who will not escape their judgment because these are the ones who think they have the solutions to the problems on the earth do you notice that you hear a lot of climate change going on and these people also are in cahoots with a lot of uh, satanic agendas they're not going to escape and neither are those who support them now, remember, the Antichrist is going to attack on a religious perspective, and no, it's not Pope Francis. I just put it in there, and it's going to be on the political scheme of things, okay? It's all going to take place in the Middle East, by the way, just to let you know. I just happened to throw that in there. Um, <coughs> this was uh, something I was going to work on, and but I just threw it in this. But it's not going to be from Rome, guys. Rome actually ha- is inclusive of Christianity and all religions. Why do you think that they have um, this open door policy to all religions? In fact, Pope Francis went out of his way to make the Abrahamic family house. So he's including all religious practices there. The Antichrist, however, hates Christians, hates Jews, hates everything that the word of God stands for. And what is he going to do? He's going to annihilate it, okay? And on a political scheme of things, we're going to have this one world order governmental system, just like we're going to have this one religious system. That's why he's falsely and um, coming on forth to bring forth everybody to lure away from the true one true living God. Again, this is all to formulate a one world religious system. All right. We're going back to the days of Babylon, folks, and we're going to see a one world government as well. Okay? This is in relation to what Nebuchadnezzar had seen in his dream. We went through four empires. It's going to be like a second uh, revival. uh, But I don't think it's going to necessarily be in all 100% Rome per se, se, even though it's attached to the statue. But I believe uh, that you know this whole push of radical Islam is gonna overtake the world in the last days because Rome had its field day for a long time now I'm not saying they're destroyed completely they got up on their feet but there's a lot of push for this radicalism of Islam and Christians and this whole business with Chris which was actually indoctrinated by yours truly Pope Francis He's trying to in- incorporate everybody from all over the world to be a part of this satanic regime. So the goal of this New World Order regime is to have one world leader, one world government, and a one world currency. Are we not seeing this happen today? This is what the Bible was referring to. Read Revelation chapter 13. So as you see, again, looking for this, this is uh, to let you know, these are the different empires, okay? The Egyptian Empire which ruled from 21,000 BC to 1400 BC okay uh, the son of Ham was the first king of Egypt right and when Joseph went into Egypt as a foreigner he became the shepherd kings if you will and may have been in control for some time and the Hamites were back in power around the same time uh, by the story of Exodus So you have a couple of empires going on. You have the Egyptian empire, you have the Assyrian empire, which was an ancient city in Nineveh, which finally rose to their power. This was between 11,000 BC to 606 BC. And uh, they, um, they rose to power over their rival Babylon. And the Assyrians had ruled over with the force of fear, with force and fear, and demanded great sums of tribute money. Pay attention to this. Because this plays a pivotal role, Assyria, into what's going on into the last days. And Isaiah said something very interesting about the Assyrian. Now Babylon, which goes from 606 BC to 538 BC, Babylon was was even older than Nineveh. And Daniel, who had lived in this great impregnable city, he saw it fall down to the Medes and the Persian Empire later on. And he had many visions daniel read the book of daniel chapter seven chapter two chapter seven okay regarding this whole thing all right in chapter 12 <coughs> this goes into biblical prophecy the medo persian empire which was another empire which lasted from 538 bc to 333 bc and cyrus the great had granted freedom to the jews in order to for them to return and build their second temple about 454 BC Artaxerxes had let them build their temple we see this in the book of Daniel chapter 9 line 25 he stayed in um, Daniel in um, Persia in Babylon if you will Greece the Greek Empire which ruled from 333 BC to 146 a uh, BC Alexander the Greats had conquered a big portion of the world in only just only ten years hallelujah that's crazy lord have mercy <laughs> but he was that's why he's known as alexander the great this greek culture and language later had greatly helped to shape and spread the the gospel over course a of period of time and so you had a lot of um cultural differences with um the people of uh, uh that spoke aramaic and then there was those who spoke greek and some hebrew and then the other languages came around later on now and then rome which was you know latin (coughs) by the time that jesus was born between 44 bc to 445 a.d this was the roman empire by the time jesus was born augustus caesar had ruled the world with almost the complete control throughout much of the european empire uh the european um, countries and parts of the middle east that range thus far now this period of quote unquote world peace had allowed for the message of jesus to go all into the world more easily because of emperor constantine that was so today we are at the bottom of this statue of iron and clay okay and this is going to be where the antichrist comes into play and therefore you're going to see a rise of these things (coughs) take place so just to let you know so with this being said there's a rise in a clashing of what's going on in the Middle East between Islam and uh, uh, Islamic nations and Israel now this is also being provoked by a man named Albert Pike so I'm going to show you with this being said this whole why the Islamic people are against quote unquote Zionism which there is but and so you're gonna see this act of Zionism versus Islam and I want to watch this video with you this is a very interesting video so let's take a look at this
1: issue will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economical exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilist and the atheist, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil." Wow. Now that sounds intense. What's up guys and welcome back to the channel today we're going to be talking about a certain individual that I believe has the key information as to what's going on in Israel. Now I'm not really going to be going into extreme depths of what's happening over there because you guys already know but I will be sharing information with you that I guarantee very few of you have heard. About three years ago when I had first started my TikTok journey I came across the written works of a man named Albert Pike. Albert Pike, according to many historians, was an American author, poet, and lawyer. According to many other sources, Pike was heavily involved in the Freemasons and was a very well-known Luciferian. But we're not here to discuss any of those things about him. We're here to discuss or expose a particular letter or letters that I believe describe exactly what is happening around the world. These letters supposedly predict World War I, World War II, and World War III. And what's so interesting about this, to me at least, is the fact that it was written in the late 1800s, August 15, 1871 to be exact, which means that these predictions would have come decades before the actual events took place. But let's skip straight to the World War III prediction because I know that's why you're here. The Third World War, it is said to be the last by Albert Pike. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agency of the Illuminati. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim-Arabic world, and political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. What does that sound like? Right off the bat, we can see that this war is between political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Hmm. Let's keep reading the letter, though. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economical exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilist and the atheist, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. Wow. Now that sounds intense. I think the key words right here is absolute atheism this kind of reminds me of what Jesus says regarding the end times in Matthew 24 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake and then later on he says and because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold maybe this explains the falling away I wonder if this is referring to that terrible time in the future where atheism is shown in its complete power. After all, atheism is a stance based on, well, nothing. Atheism is only whatever I say goes because there is no God. There is no objective morality with atheism. So at some point in time, hopefully not the near future, but at some point in time, there will probably be an exponential rise in atheism and an exponential decrease in religious beliefs. Therefore, the majority of those on the earth will be empowered by the spirit of Satan, the Antichrist, probably ushering in a reign of terror led by atheistic leaders. Christians will probably be delivered unto death and absolutely despised by the world. Now, for all you Christians out there, I know that you can sense what I'm talking about. I know you can sense the hatred that the world has for us, but don't lose hope. This is not to scare you, but to bring this to your awareness. We know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I believe that Christians are going to set aside their minor differences and come together as the true body of Christ and become very, very strong. The Bible tells us that to live is Christ and to die is gain. So either way, it's a win-win. The pain we feel here will not even be comparable to the glory we receive in heaven. I know that's easier said than done, but this is a fact. Let's stay strong in the faith and encourage one another. But anyway, let's continue to read. Then, everywhere, the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization, and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity, whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render adoration. Now, check this out, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer brought finally out in public view now that should automatically tell you what the motive is right away listen to this it says we will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer brought finally out in public view I mean what a blasphemous thing to say how can you call what is good evil and what is evil good Satan is not the light he literally embodies darkness he is the complete opposition to Christ John 3 19 21 says this is the verdict light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed I mean at the end of the day this is all the atheism or Satanism or anything that opposes Christ really is. But lastly, Pike says in his letters, This manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Now, little does Albert Pike know, but he and his side are going to lose. All enemies of God will be completely destroyed with an eternal fire. Satan's plan will not end in success, but rather complete destruction. Let me read their soon-to-be future. The book of Revelation says, When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city that he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented, day and night, forever and ever. In conclusion, you can see what the satanic goal of the world really is. It is to eliminate Christ and establish an atheistic reign of power. It may be successful for a little bit, but it will not last. Nothing of Satan lasts. Him and his works again will be destroyed in the unquenchable fire come to jesus while you can enter into the rest of the lord have faith and be saved jesus wants us to be saved he wants to love us he wants us to love him he wants us to enter into the light but i made this video because i thought it was interesting i love stuff like this i love learning the tactics of the enemy and i love exposing the darkness for what it truly is Me too. so i hope you all have a great day
0: amen so you see the enemy's tactics and you saw through albert pike who's actually a freemasonry um we see that the enemy is using people against god's children and there's this world world war three that was purposefully done to pit people like you and i against each other and so, therefore, this I want to also share these, this um, you know, intriguing notion of what the Antichrist's plans are regarding this false peace that he's going to implement upon the earth. Right now, everybody is struggling and is looking all over the place for someone to lead us in this peace. And that my friends gonna be the Antichrist so we're gonna take a look in another video and we're going to see what this Antichrist is all about amen because remember you and I we're not the enemy we have a real enemy that we're dealing with and that's the whole purpose of why I did those videos is to expose the works of Satan Satan is very clever at what he does And he will not stop until he gets what he wants. I promise you that much. So I'm gonna play this video to show you this and we're gonna take it from here.
2: There are wars and rumors of wars that are leading to the potential of World War III. The Bible prophesied there would be massive unrest in the Middle East that would lead to the Antichrist and his temporary peace treaty. In Daniel 9:27, written 2,600 years ago, it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. That, of course, in reference to the Antichrist and his peace treaty. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, written about 2000 years ago that says let no one deceive you by any means for that day the day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition these prophecies tell us there will be massive war and unrest in the Middle East and that the Antichrist a false man of peace will create a peace treaty to end that war for a certain time and right now in the past 24 hours alone we've had massive things take place within the Middle East that could be leading to even the potential of a world war let's take a look at some of these events again this is all within the past 24 hours on October 27, 2023 U.S fighter jet strikes Iran linked sites in Syria in retaliation for attacks on U.S troops U.S fighter jets launched attacks early on Friday on two locations in Eastern Syria linked to Iran's revolutionary guard this is in retaliation for a slew of drone and missile attacks against the U.S. bases and personnel in the region, beginning earlier last week.
3: These strikes taking place in eastern Syria along the Iraqi border. F-16 fighter jets targeting two locations linked to Iranian-backed military groups in response to at least 19 attacks on American troops in the region in recent days.
2: Just yesterday, a missile that was sent by Hamas to hit Israel accidentally hit a town in a resort in egypt missile strikes egyptian red sea town on israel border this is starting to affect many nations of course the united states is talking about getting involved and even china sent an aircraft carrier to the region in case things start to escalate into a bigger conflict china deploys warships to region amid fears of wider conflict matthew 24 jesus also told us wars and rumors of wars would take place as we head towards the end times seems like this is really happening on a worldwide scale more and more. Yesterday as well, the United States confirmed that 900 foot soldiers were being sent over to the Middle East. Approximately 900 troops have subsequently deployed or are in the process of deploying to the U.S. Central Command area of responsibility. I can confirm that they are not going to Israel, and that again, they are intended to support regional deterrence efforts and further bolster U.S. force protection capabilities. The Pentagon is saying this has nothing to do in relation to the Israel war, but let me just remind you that when the Vietnam War started, the United States first sent 3,500 Marines over there, seeming like a small deployment, but what eventually led to the mass casualties of the Vietnam War, which statistically on the Britannica website says that 2 million civilians on both sides of Vietnam ended up dying, and 1,100,000 North Vietnamese and Viet Cong fighters died as well. The United States military estimates that between 200 and 250,000 South Vietnamese soldiers died, and the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., lists more than 58,300 names of United States Armed Forces who were killed or went missing in action. There's also a few thousand other people who died from other nations. So, when they say these small numbers, many times it starts off small, but as we see with Vietnam, it grew into massive numbers and a massive war which leads us to the update in Israel. It seems that they are moving forward with a progression of foot soldiers into Gaza. The consensus of everything coming out right now says that Israel has been sending small groups of people, foot soldiers, foot invasion into Gaza and then retreating back. But again, the consensus seems on every level that they're preparing Israel is preparing for mass amounts of troops to potentially invade into Gaza.
1: Israel continued its penetration into the Gaza Strip in anticipation of a ground incursion. Meanwhile, the
3: fighting in the region is expanding. As Israeli troops, tanks and armor conducted a raid into the central Gaza Strip for the second night in a row, the IDF says it struck a number of command and control centers and Hamas terrorists. The IDF also kept up its air campaign and says it has killed a number of Hamas leaders responsible for the
2: October 7th massacre of Jews. We're seeing massive amounts of IDF movement near the Gaza Strip. Here's a few clips of that with the Wall Street Journal saying that the Israeli military carried out what appears to be the biggest incursion into the Gaza Strip since the Hamas attacks on Israel on October 7th.
4: Israeli troops launching what's being called the largest ground raid into northern Gaza since the war began, and moments ago, the IDF confirmed it eliminated five Hezbollah cells that tried to launch rockets at Israel. Officials also confirming there are at least 224 hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. But that number could rise the brief incursion comes hours after the wall street journal reported that israel agreed to delay a full ground invasion until the pentagon can deploy air defense systems to protect american troops in the region those systems are expected to be in place later this week
2: all this turmoil in the middle east and this unrest around israel is truly setting the stage and could be the ultimate stage where the antichrist comes in and creates the peace treaty through all this unrest and brings all the world truly on his same page and on his side, by creating peace in the Middle East, and then all the world will marvel after the beast and follow him. 2 Thessalonians 2 9-10 through The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Not only will the Antichrist create peace in the Middle East, he will have false signs and wonders accompanying him, and he will eventually exalt himself to the status of God and break that peace treaty with the with Israel halfway through it. So as we see massive unrest in Israel and in the Middle East taking place, we should be watching for a potential man of peace or person to come and create peace in this scenario. because the Bible prophesied it, it will come. It looks as if this could potentially be this coming to that fruition this is a pretty cool clip i wanted to add in it's from northern israel where it looks like a massive pillar of a cloud is just appearing there over northern israel it's reminiscent of course of the pillar of cloud that led the israelites in the book of exodus pretty amazing it definitely seems like we are living in prophetic times let's keep our eyes open on the times stay in the words so we're aware of what's coming jesus said he gave us prophecy so we're not caught off guard stay in the word i pray you all are well
0: amen so while we have this issue going on it's hard for people of christianity and islam to get along together we have vast differences with each other as you could see in recent times there's a lot of political turmoil and uh, going on and a lot of things happening in the middle east and this is why i believe that the antichrist is Probably more likely chance is going to be someone of Middle Eastern descent Because remember the Antichrist is someone who hates Jesus Christ. He hates Yahweh. He hates everything that goes up that, that stands that and especially those who stand for Jesus being the Messiah and the Savior. He wants to kill those in his midst So we're going to take a look at this Because in recent times, it's very interesting that it is believed by a lot of Muslim people that um, the Mahdi is here, but he has yet to enter center or staged. So we're going to take a look at this and we're going to also examine further certain things. Amen? So we're going to take a look at uh, this video.
2: Prophecy tells us that war, even world war, will come to the Middle East. A false man of peace, the Antichrist, will end it for a short time. This figure fits very closely with the Islamic Messiah figure, the al-Mahdi. This may be exactly what we're seeing unfold right now. And if that's the case, then something big is coming to Israel. First, I wanna point out the importance of Israel in the end times. Prophecy tells us there will be a mass return of Jews to the land of Israel in the end times. Also, the Antichrist will make a seven year covenant of peace with Israel The temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. The Antichrist will also break that peace treaty with Israel and a worldwide persecution of Israel will result. This ties in very well with the Almadi. We'll get into that in just a minute. Israel will also finally recognize Jesus as their Messiah, Zechariah 12.10. And Israel will be regenerated, restored, and regathered once and for all the last day's troubles the end times is also known as the great tribulation and in jeremiah 37 it says alas for that day is great so that none is like it and it is the time of jacob's trouble but he shall be saved out of it these verses as well as other prophecies such as jesus telling us jerusalem will be surrounded by armies or the final end times battle the battle of armageddon will take place in israel all just shows the importance of israel in the end times and now we can look at some of the current events going on and see are things leading up to a world war taking place in israel and to a potential fulfillment of this final end times prophecy in israel different rumors are flying around of israel getting involved and saying that they back and support hamas two weeks ago china deployed six warships to the middle east over fears israel crisis could spark world war three China removes Israel from their maps. This just took place recently that Alibaba and Badu have dropped Israel's official name from their digital maps available online. Yemeni rebels also join now in the war against Israel. Yesterday, this article in Eurasia Times says after two super carriers, U.S. deploys nuclear guided missile submarine to West Asia amidst Israeli ops in Gaza. And on top of all this, American bases are being attacked in the Middle East. America of course supports Israel in this time and we're now seeing more troops being sent over to the Middle East.
4: The Pentagon's deploying 300 more troops to the Middle East as US bases in Iraq and Syria are attacked, get this, 27 times in the past two weeks, 27 times in two weeks, and we know the Iranian proxies, they've told us already. Now let's take a look at where the US troops are roughly stationed as of right now. Uh, let, these are where we are at. These are the attacks that have taken place, the 27 here. Uh, these are the contractors, 45,000 are uh in this region this is where we are the naval bases are these these are destroyers aircraft carriers in the region ready to attack
2: should other nations get involved in the israeli war prophecy tells us there will be big wars going on in the middle east involving israel and that the antichrist will come in as this false man of peace for a short time to end this massive war daniel 9 27 then he the antichrist shall confirm a covenant with many for one week but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. We as Christians on the end times timeline are still expecting the antichrist, but Islam, the Muslims, are expecting the al-Mahdi, their savior messiah figure. The al-Mahdi is known as the awaited one, he will be the 12th imam, He will also be known as Muhammad, that will be his name. It's said that he will change the state of the world from injustice to justice, from tyranny to peace. According to Islam, the Al Mahdi will fight the Islamic Antichrist, the Dajjal, with Jesus or Isa, who they call him as, refer to him as, and they view him as only a prophet. Jesus will come down from heaven, and together with the Al Mahdi, they will defeat the Dajjal and they will spread Sharia law and Islam across the world. Does that sound at all to you like the man of peace that was referenced in Daniel 9, 27? Well, it very well fits it in my eyes. Or how about these other prophecies the Bible tells us about this false man of peace and false messiah that will be coming in the end times. Matthew 24, 24 For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Daniel 11.36 in reference to the Antichrist here referencing him as a king. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done according to islam when the al-mahdi comes he will come riding into jerusalem eventually in the end times holding the imam mahdi black flag this same flag was just raised over a mosque in iran for the first time outside of the appointed month it was absolutely a historic event the imam mahdi's plan will be to spread islam all throughout the world And Islam, of course, and the Imam Mahdi will be completely against Judaism, against the Jews, and against them owning the land of Israel. Their plan will be to wipe them off of the face of the earth, truly. And a prophecy told to us in Psalm 83 tells us this exact thing will be their desire. Do not keep silent, O God, do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. We're seeing this very thing take place all across even the United States who have always been an ally of Israel. We're seeing pro Hamas rallies and people in support of these organizations whose their main goal is said to wipe out Israel and to cut them off from being a nation. Here i want to briefly mention that according to islam before the Dajjal, the islamic antichrist appears and before the mahdi comes to defeat him it's prophesied that the entire earth will go one whole year without a drop of rain so my prayer to the muslims around the world when all these other signs start to take place and the world has still continued to see rain that they will consider looking into the scriptures and the truth of the bible to study it and see that this is truly word of God the Bible the Holy Bible not the Quran to me this looks like these prophecies may be coming together we may be seeing the fulfillment of these end times prophecies surrounding Israel and leading to Jacob's trouble the great tribulation and if that's what we're seeing then time is very short before the end of the world and truly it's an important time to get your life and your heart completely right with Jesus Christ no more verses to show that God truly cares about Israel. He cares about the land and is truly his heart. And as followers of Jesus, we need to have the same heart for the things that God has a heart for. I recently heard a pastor say, and it's totally true, pointing out one way how God truly cares about Israel. When Jesus came to the earth, he came to Israel. When he died, he died in Israel. He rose again in Israel. And when Jesus returns, he's coming back to Israel. Psalm 122 6 says pray for the peace of Jerusalem may they prosper who love you and Romans 1125 26 for I do not desire brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in and so all Israel will be saved as it is written the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. These are just a few of many, many, many verses of God referencing his care for Israel, his love for Israel, for Jerusalem, and the people who live there. And so if God has a heart for them, then so do I. And that is our call as Christians who follow God in his ways. The Bible tells us that all the word of God is God breathed in from God, and also that God cannot lie. So if this is the truth and these verses are the truth, even if they're from the Old Testament or the past, then it's still the truth today, and it's still our responsibility to feel this same way that God laid out clearly in the Bible in the past. So even in their state of the rejection of Jesus Christ, I will continue to pray that they will see and come to the acceptance that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that that's God's will in His heart for Israel, for the land of Israel, and for Jerusalem, and so that will continually be my prayer. And I hope it will be yours as well.
0: Amen. So you have a rough idea now from a biblical side of things who this Mahdi is. And also from the biblical side of things as Christians, we understand it to be, and we know for sure it's the Antichrist. But uh, from the Islamic perspective, we understand that from what the Quran is saying, that that's the Mahdi. He's going to be the one to uh, bring justice to the world and change things around. So you see, this is why we cannot class, uh, bring together Christianity and Islam together, even though that's going to be the perpetrated uh, premise of what this Antichrist is going to do. He's going to bring the spreading of Muslim, radical Muslim, to all nations. It's going back to the ways of Babylon. Turn every uh, to turn. And if you would understood what Nimrod had done in Genesis chapter eleven. He was the first one to initiate religion, and the first one to initiate paganism. He was the first one to initiate occultism, and he was the first one to deify himself as a god. A demigod, in fact. So he uh, he was a huge influence upon all the nations in the Middle East predominantly, and he became a huge influence to the neighboring nations that were surrounding him. And uh, so, therefore, this became a huge problem in the eyes of the Lord, uh, Yahweh, the Hebrew God. Now, we're going to take a further look about who this man is for those of us that, you know, those of you out there who are unaware of who this um, man is, this uh, Mahdi is. So we're going to take a look at this next video to understand better so that we could be properly prepared for the real war that we're up against okay and because we're involved in a spiritual warfare and this is the time where we need to start to spiritually prepare ourselves through the Word of God and to allow for the Holy Spirit to guide us through this circumstance amen so we're gonna take a look at this next video about who is this man so we could understand the true nature of this antichrist-like figure who will oppose, who will rise up and slay the Christians. is also what the Qur'an had entailed, to slay the unbelievers. That's aimed for the Jews and the Christians predominantly because we are the only ones who worship Yahweh and to the Christians, we worship Yahweh and His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let us take a look at this video and examine this together so you understand why uh, Chrislam can never be.
1: Amen. So here we go. What's up guys, today we're going to be answering these five questions. What does each religion believe about the creation, God, angels and demons, salvation, and the end of time? So, let's begin with number one. What does each religion believe about the creation? We'll begin with Islam. Islam, according to the Quran. If one interprets it literally, teaches a six-day creation similar to Christianity. Adam and Eve were created in innocent perfection and placed in a beautiful garden. Here, Satan tempted them to rebel against God by eating the forbidden fruit, thus incurring God's wrath and judgment and expulsion from the garden, which is basically exactly what Christians believe. The wicked pre-flood civilization is described at length. Eventually, Noah is told to build the ark, and from its passengers the entire world has been repopulated the description of the flood closely resembles the biblical description with vast rainfall eruptions and earthquakes so it's a little bit different as to the age of the earth again a straightforward reading implies a creation of all things a few thousand years ago no room for billions of years of evolution so in conclusion they both have very similar stories but they aren't entirely the same both religions differ on their view of how sin entered the world for example in the Christian belief while Adam and Eve received judgment for their sin there's no hint in the Quran of the curse on all creation as described in Genesis 3 to a Muslim creation fell out of balance at the fall but did not come under the bondage of corruption spoken of in Romans 8 21 so they do not think that one man can inherit the sins of the world which we believe that is Jesus so they rely on doing good works and basically just being a good person being obedient to God this is how they get to heaven but we'll talk more about that later what does each religion believe about God like discussed in my last video if you haven't already go check it out Um, both religions believe in one God but it's a little different Christians believe that the one true God has three different forms that all simultaneously coexist together just like H2O is known as water. In the Christian belief God is known as Jesus the Son the Father the Holy Spirit all three of them make up God just like solid liquid gas for water If that makes any sense three properties in one but they're all the same thing with this being said Muslims only believe in one God who cannot be seen they do not think that Jesus was God. They do not think that God has came down to earth in any type of physical form. They don't even think that he can be seen. So that's the difference in their beliefs on God. Again, Christians believe that Jesus, being the son of God, came down to earth and provided salvation to all who are willing to have faith and repent. Which means Islam rejects who the true Jesus is. However, they believe that Jesus existed and was basically just a great prophet who was taken up to heaven and did not see death. Again, if you want to hear more about that, go check out my last video. But speaking of prophets, this is where it gets really juicy. Islam claims that Muhammad is the last prophet or the last messenger. He is said to have encountered the angel Gabriel in a cave. Now, according to Muslim tradition, during one such occasion while he was in contemplation, the angel Gabriel appeared before him in the year 8610, so 610 years after the death of Jesus. And Gabriel said, "Read." Upon which he replied, "I'm unable to read." Thereupon, the angel caught hold of him and embraced him heavily. Some people think that this means that the angel that saw him was strangling him, which I don't think a Christian or the real angel would do that. But anyway, uh, thereupon the angel caught hold of him and embraced him heavily. This happened two more times. After which, the angel commanded Muhammad to recite the following verses: "Read." In the name of your Lord who created man from a clinging substance read your Lord is most generous he who taught by the pen taught man that which he knew not so this angel Gabriel supposedly met Muhammad in a cave while he was meditating and forced him to read this thing which later becomes him creating the Quran and the whole birth of Islam begins 600 years after Jesus now I do not believe that this was the actual angel Gabriel, and here's why. Had the spirit been Gabriel, he would have calmed Muhammad and relieved his fear, but the spirit left him in extreme distress. The angel Gabriel appeared to many people before his alleged visit to Muhammad, and each time the first thing he did was to allay that person's fear. This is why many times in the Bible, angels would appear and say, do not be afraid. When Gabriel appeared to Daniel, he was afraid, but Gabriel touched him. Gabriel did not squeeze him or cause him pain. Gabriel only touched him. Now here's a verse in the Bible that kind of solidifies what I'm saying. It says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And we know that the angel Gabriel in the Bible and the angel Gabriel in Islam cannot be the same because they're teaching and preaching two different things. So, One's an angel, one's a demon. It's up to you to figure it out. My personal opinion, the one in the Quran and in Islam is demonic. I think that it was Satan disguising himself as an angel of light. Now, that might be a harsh thing to say, but that's just what I believe. What does each religion believe about the end of time? Islam believes that there are major and minor signs. Number one, the appearance of the Antichrist. I think he pronounced it the Dajjal, is how they say it. Um, Two, the appearance of Gog and Magog, which is similar to uh, the Bible. Number three, the appearance of the strange beast. Number four, three huge earthquakes. Number five, the smoke. Number six, the rise or the return from occlusion, the Mahdi to restore Islam. And number six, the rise or the return from occlusion of the Mahdi to restore Islam. number seven the return of Jesus from heaven to assist the Mahdi in restoring Islam some of the minor signs the other signs would be number one fire from the west number two people fighting over gold revealed by the river Tigris number three inanimate objects speaking number four when the slave girl will give birth to her master and number five the Sun appears to be rising from the west which doesn't make any sense now the Christian belief along with the Islamic belief says that nobody knows the exact time Matthew 24:36 in the Bible says but concerning that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father only and here is kind of what the world will look like according to the Bible right before the end in 2nd Timothy it says but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty Both religions believe in a heaven and hell, but they are kind of different. I I don't want to get too sidetracked, but for example, Islam believes that you will have spouses in heaven while Christianity makes it clear that we will not. But in conclusion, the Christian belief is that Jesus will come down and restore everything back to the Garden of Eden and even make everything better. This is why I believe that God says, behold, I make all things new, not back to what it was, but new.
0: All right, so we see that there is a stark contrast between what the Bible says and what the Quran says concerning what things are going on in there which is why there's a lot of massive confusion with a lot of the Muslims who convert to Christianity and then they bring forth what they know from the Quran side po- standpoint and then they mix that up with what the Bible is saying to fit the, the whole narrative but that's not how this works folks. The Bible's constructed and written accordingly so, and it is, there's no errors in it. It's an authoritative word in itself, and it shows exactly what's going on and the plans of what Yahweh is showing, the Hebrew God, is showing to the whole world from beginning to end. So that's why we cannot cherry pick, we cannot chop up the Bible in half because we want it to fit according to how we fit it. Then. You ha- then there's what's the point in following the one true living God in, in, in terms of uh, opening yourself up to him and allowing for the Holy Spirit to come into your life to guide you and to pierce your hearts when you go wrong and to cause for you to repent, to allow for you to understand the prophecies that are being implemented in the Bible. So therefore, we have to take heed of these warnings so that we are not deceived by the false god, this uh, antichrist. That is coming on into the world so with that being said again we want to warn people of the coming deceptions in this world and we cannot mix christianity along with islam it just can't happen it just can't be but people want to try to make that work and that is the most dangerous form of doctrine you could ever do to yourself by putting yourself in that kind of danger and i warn people about this too all the time and some, you know, get in my, uh, get on my case and say otherwise, and I say, well, you know what, at the end of the day, listen, if that's what you choose, that's what you choose. You know, I hope and pray that the Lord will pierce your heart and will cause for you to see things the way that he's showing it to you. And so sometimes I will go through that. Now we're going to see the rise of the Imam Mahdi, okay? Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of things to consider when we, we as Christians, true Christians, that is, followers of Jesus, as the Son of God, that is, the Son of Man, to understand why he gave us those warnings, amen, as we prepare ourselves in the last days. So we're going to check up, take a look at another uh, video as another example of studying who this Mahdi is and getting to know who he really is like, okay? There are are gonna be people who disagree with this especially those who are very deeply uh, steeped into uh, Islamic culture they're gonna have a hard time understanding a lot of this stuff but it's my prayer and hope that they start opening up their eyes they become more optimistic to understanding what's going really going on here so let's take a look at this next video and uh, we'll get right to the you know the next parts
1: What's up guys and welcome back to the channel. Today we will be discussing the similarities between the Islamic Savior, who they call the Mahdi, and the Christian Antichrist. Now hopefully the information that you're about to hear will shock you as it did me. So let's get right into it. We know that both religions have prophetic viewpoints. They both have eschatological views. This means they both have their different views and theories on what's going to happen in the future. And just to make things clear i believe that the holy bible is 100 percent true and it is inspired straight from god and the only reason i'm even talking about the islamic savior the mahdi is because i think the mahdi is directly correlated to the book of revelation let me explain the mahdi in islamic eschatology is a messianic deliverer who will fill earth with justice and equity he will restore true religion and usher in a short golden age lasting seven, eight, or nine years before the end of the world. I think that seven year mark is kind of interesting. But anyway, the Mahdi, also known as the rightly guided one, is the name given to the restorer of religion and justice, who according to a widely held Muslim belief will rule before the end of the world. Now, according to Muslim tradition, the following things I'm about to tell you are true. Number one, Muhammad said the Mahdi would bear his name and rule all Arabs. Tradition states that the Mahdi will descend from the family of Muhammad and will hear Muhammad's name. Number two, he will be the ruler of all Muslims. Number three, he will rule the entire world and everyone will become Muslim. The Mahdi is said to lead a world revolution that will establish a new Islamic world order throughout the entire Earth. Number four, it says that he will be loved by all due to his miraculous powers. Now keep that one in mind. It is said that the Mahdi will have control over the wind and the rain and the crops. Under the Mahdi's rule, the world will live in prosperity. And lastly, number five, the Mahdi will be riding on a white horse. Now, hopefully you guys are already picking up on some of these signs. But if you haven't already, just stick along. Now that I've told you things about the Mahdi, let me tell you some things about the Antichrist, the true Christian Antichrist. He will exalt himself as God or above God. He will heed his inner voice above others. He will be hostile towards the true God. He will exalt human logic above faith. So in my mind, that means he's going to be a man of science. He will prosper for a season and be loved. He will not desire women. He will not follow the faith of his fathers. He will viciously persecute Jews and Christians. He will think of himself as greater than God. He will become increasingly lawless. He will honor military power above faith. He will love wealth. He will hoard precious things. He will become a man of war. He will wage war on all people of all faith. He will force Israel to ratify a treaty. He will divide Israel and Jerusalem. He will invade Jerusalem. He will enter the restored temple, and he will declare himself above god now the most interesting part of the video comes the comparison between the Mahdi and the antichrist but before i compare let me let me just get this one thing straight islam claims that they believe in jesus as christians believe in jesus no they do not it is not the same jesus they call their jesus issa and their jesus is not the messiah their jesus does not have this savior complex okay our jesus or the christian jesus does They are not the same jesus they cannot be the same person and same entity if they both have two different lives and completely different um goals for their existence so they're not the same jesus just don't let that get in your head the similarity number one he will rule the whole world and all will love him the second similarity they will both love military power now if you go back to the first part of the mahdi um it says that the whole world will be you know forced to become Islam or forced to follow Islam how are you going to force people to do that without the power of the military number three we know that they will both perform miracles according to Islamic tradition the Mahdi will perform signs such as ordering the winds waters and crops and we know that the future Antichrist will be performing wonders on the earth that could possibly even deceive God's elect 2 Thessalonians 2 9 says The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If an Islamic man came from out of nowhere and starts performing all of these miracles, it's going to make me think about it a little bit. Now, my faith is not going to waver from believing in Jesus Christ, but I am going to have my eyes on the sky and be like, how is he doing this? From what powers does this come? obviously it's from the demonic realm because it cannot be of the one true God Jesus now those were all of the main similarities but here is the main difference and this is the part that completely blew me away the Mahdi and the Antichrist do not ride the same horse as it appears in the book of Revelation if you remember the Mahdi Islam's Savior will be riding a white horse so the real question is Who rides the white horse in the book of Revelation? Well, Revelation 19.11 tells us that our Savior, the true Savior, Jesus Christ, rides the white horse. Don't believe me? Listen to this. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords so you're telling me the Islamic Savior is riding the exact same colored horse in their end time prophecy is our Savior you're telling me there's no correlation there again this is not a coincidence that they both ride the same horse this is Satan's direct attempt to blaspheme Jesus I believe that Satan is the one who revealed himself to Muhammad and his followers We know that Satan understands the scriptures very well. This is why he is perverting them. He always provides half-truth with half-lies to deceive the people. Do you really think this is a coincidence? There's no way. There's no way this is a coincidence. Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are three different religions. They are not the same. It doesn't matter how many similarities there are. If Jesus is not the Savior and the Messiah, it is wrong. Now, you're going to say, oh, Will, you're so closed-minded. Okay, so be it. If you think I'm closed-minded for thinking that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, then literally so be it. In conclusion, I believe that the Christian Antichrist will be Islam's Savior. Now, I could be wrong. I could be 100% wrong, but that is what I currently believe in right now. I hope you all enjoyed this.
0: Amen. So there's a lot of overwhelming amounts of evidence when you compare this to the biblical scriptures of who this Mahdi turns out to be. And with that being said, I want to share these last two important videos for everyone, not just only to the Muslims, but I, I believe God is trying to reach out for you. That's why he calls for me to do these videos. I normally don't do videos like this. But he caused for me a stir, a big stir in my heart to do these videos for you, to reach out to you, because he wants to save you. There's something for in store for you. And please, whatever it is, just open your heart to, say, to him and say, here I am, Lord. What is it that you want, you know, for me to do? I am listening. Just open yourself up to him. You'd be surprised about what could happen from that moment on. He has something in store for you. That's why I ended up doing these videos as such. I normally don't do videos like this. I just teach the Bible. And I just get in touch with what's happening in our world and compare it to Scripture. For those of you who have seen my videos, know exactly my pattern and, and know exactly what I do. But it, it, the Lord stirred my heart on this one. I never do things like this. This is the first time that I felt the most uncomfortable and the most unsettled in my entire life. But sometimes Yahweh is going to do that. God's going to put us in the most uncomfortable situations. Is also what we learned from the story of Abraham, which was exactly what we're learning through Bible study. So I'm going to do that uh, Bible study, continue with Bible study later. I'm going to put another video up later. Now I want you to watch these last two videos because it's very important. This is the last final agenda. This is why a lot of Islamic people are um, coming, uh, is, is... They're coming up and they're pretty much exploiting their last jihad, if you will. A jihad is a holy war against Christianity and against Judaism, against the Jews, against the Christians, okay? And as you see around the world today, from the political side of things as well, you see the rise of Muslims in European countries and pushing on the Sharia laws. And of course, you're seeing a pushback on this as well, because this cannot this to the European, some of the European countries, they're saying this cannot be and this is not going to happen. And then here in the United States, we see a lot of uh, uh, Muslims immigrate here. But another major issue of concern that here in the United States, we ought to be concerned with was the amounts of terrorists that secretly come in here. And they are known to be sleeper cells that are in different states right now plotting and planning against us but the good news is is their plots and plans will go in vain hallelujah because the Lord says so amen we only caught one in you know with his pants down and uh, he revealed who he was he said he was a jihadist I pray he gets saved by Jesus Christ though I pray for his soul I pray for the salvation of the souls of many now let us, without further ado, check out these last two videos that I have and then we're going to end off with the word of prayer. Amen. Amen.
5: La mayor parte de los habitantes del planeta se declaran creyentes. Esto debería provocar un diálogo entre las religiones. No debemos dejar de orar por él. ...y colaborar con quienes piensan distinto. Confío en Buda. Creo en Dios. Creo en Jesucristo. Creo en Dios. Allah. Muchos piensan distinto, sienten distinto, buscan a Dios o encuentran a Dios de diversa manera. En esta multitud, en este abanico de religiones, hay una sola certeza que tenemos para todos. Todos somos hijos de Dios. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Confío en vos para difundir mi petición de este mes. Que el diálogo sincero entre hombres y mujeres de diversas religiones conlleve frutos de paz y justicia.
3: Most people think of Islam as an utterly distinct religion from Christianity, with no connection to Christianity. We we would think that if someone is a Muslim, they, they have absolutely no connection to Christianity. And there are many religions that have no connection to Christianity. Hinduism has no connection to Christianity. Uh, Buddhism has no connection to Christianity. Uh, Many others have no connection. It's amazing how many do connect because Satan wants to counterfeit and deceive and get as close to the truth as he can. There are actually confessed evangelical people who think that Muslims not only believe in God, because they are monotheists believing in one God, but who think that Muslims are okay because they actually believe in Jesus. And by the way, they do. Brian McLaren, an emerging uh, church uh, heretic writer, in his book, The Secret Message of Jesus, says, and I quote, all Muslims regard Jesus as a great prophet a shared reappraisal of Jesus' message could provide a common ground for urgently needed religious dialogue. This reappraisal of Jesus may be our only way of saving a number of religions, including Christianity." So, If we want to save Christianity and save other religions, we need to all get together and that should be easy for us to do because we can start with the Muslims because they already believe in Jesus. Popular speaker and author Tony Campolo says, quote, When we listen to the Muslim mystics as they talk about Jesus and their love for Jesus, I must say, it's a lot closer to New Testament Christianity than a lot of Christians. Really? So, you think that the Muslim Jesus is the same Jesus? I can help you with that. Because they describe Jesus. The Muslim Jesus plays a crucial role in Islamic eschatology. Now you do know that the the Muslims have an eschatology. In other words, they have a theology of the end. They know where they're going, according to their writings. They know where they're going. Let me describe the Muslim Jesus to you. This is out of their own writings, the Quran and the Sunnah. The Quran is supposedly the word of Allah, actually the word of Satan, but they think it's the word of Allah. The Sunnah... The Sunnah are the words of and the works of Muhammad. The Quran then constitutes their holy scripture, and the Sunnah, sometimes called the Hadith, constitutes their holy tradition. Their theology comes out of the Quran and the Sunnah, just as Roman Catholic theology comes out of the Bible and tradition. Or Judaism comes out of the Old Testament and rabbinic tradition. Muslims have two sources of authoritative truth in their system they have Jesus Jesus was a man he was not God he did not die he went to heaven like Elijah he did not die therefore he did not rise he did not die therefore he did not provide an atonement for anyone because no one can provide an atonement for anyone else. He is a man, he is a prophet, he is nothing more, he went to heaven like Elijah, and he's in heaven right now standing alongside Allah, waiting for Allah to send him back. In their system, this man, this prophet Jesus, who is now in heaven, never having died, plays a key role in the end times. Because he will return from heaven without dying. He will come back when Allah sends him back. Another question to ask is why would Allah want to send Jesus back? As a lot of prophets to pick from, why does he send Jesus back? Answer, so that when he shows up, he can correct all the Christians who have misunderstood who he is. Sources for this again, the Quran and the Sunnah. The great event of the coming of Christ, of coming of Jesus, is so that this prophet, this man who comes back, can straighten out the misdirected, misguided, misconceiving Christians who think he was God, who died and rose again and provided atonement. He'll come back and straighten it out. And by the way, after he gets here, he'll get married, have children, and die, and be buried next to Muhammad. That's the Muslim Jesus. In Islamic eschatology, there are three great signs of the end of history. Three great signs. There are some lesser signs, there are some minor signs, and some major signs. In their eschatology, again quoting their sources exclusively, There are three great signs of the end of history. And each of them is a man. Let me tell you about those three men. First of all, the first man that will come in the end of history is the Mahdi. M-A-H-D-I. Sometimes he's called the 12th Imam. Every time Ahmadinejad over in Iran gives a speech, he says, glory to the Mahdi, glory to the 12th Imam. Every time. He's waiting for the coming of the Mahdi. What is he coming to do? He's coming, listen carefully, to slaughter all who will not worship Allah, convert to Islam. They are identified in their writings as pigs and dogs and to establish the everlasting, world-dominating kingdom of Islam. That's what he will do. The Mahdi or the 12th Imam, that means the guided one, is the long-awaited savior. He is the establisher of the final Caliphate. The world must follow him as he takes over or he will destroy all enemies of Islam. He will come and he will carry on holy war and either you convert or you're killed by the Mahdi. He will have an army. His army will be a massive army and his army will go from nation to nation to punish the unbelievers. The holy writings of Islam say that this army will carry black flags and on those black flags There'll be one word and that one word will be the word punishment By the way the Iranian army today carries black flags They want to be ready for the coming of the Mahdi. He will lead the army of black flags first to Israel Slaughter all the Jews, and then he will establish his rule in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. That's what their literature says. Slaughter the Jews, establish his rule on the Temple Mount. According to their holy writings, the Mahdi will bring rain and wind and crops and wealth and happiness so that all will love him and no one will speak of anyone but him. Their writings say the Mahdi will come and make at first a peace agreement with the Jews and the West for seven years. The reign of Mahdi lasts seven years in which he establishes Islam on the earth. Their holy writings say this, the Mahdi will come riding on a white horse, and it even says in their writings, as it says in Revelation 6, 1 and 2. Saddam, Saddam Hussein, by the way, painted murals of this Mahdi on white horse all over Baghdad. And he comes carrying a sword to kill the infidels. When the Mahdi arrives, he will discover hidden scriptures. He will discover them, interestingly enough, somewhere near the Sea of Galilee. And there will be there hidden scriptures, hidden gospels, and a hidden Torah. And they will be the true scriptures which will be used by the Mahdi To show the jews and the christians they were wrong that their scriptures were the false scriptures let me summarize the Mahdi will be a messianic figure he will be a descendant of muhammad he will be an unparalleled unequaled leader he will come out of a crisis of turmoil he will take control of the world He will establish a new world order he will destroy all who resist him he will invade many nations he will make a seven-year peace treaty with the jews he will conquer israel and massacre the jews he will establish islamic world headquarters at jerusalem he will rule for seven years establish islam as the only religion he will come on a white horse with supernatural power he will be loved by all people on earth if that sounds familiar that is a precise description of the Biblical Antichrist. Absolutely, step by step, by step, by step. The Bible's Antichrist is their Mahdi. We know that the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 is the Antichrist. They use that verse to describe their Mahdi. Why am I giving you all this? Because the description of the Mahdi is exactly the description of the Biblical antichrist the beast of revelation 13 and you go into any kind of a study of that and you will find that all the details match up perfectly the the Bible's antichrist is Islam's savior and world conqueror who establishes a universal Islamic kingdom and there's a second son a second person and it is Jesus The Mahdi is not Jesus, the Mahdi is greater than Jesus and that's important to their system because if you have somebody greater than Jesus then the Christians were wrong. So Jesus will return. Yes, Muslims believe that Jesus will come again. They believe in the return of Jesus, not the true Jesus. The Jesus of Islam, not God, didn't die, didn't rise, didn't provide a sacrifice for sin, but he does return. He's a prophet and he comes back and he has one purpose when he comes back and that is to assist and aid the Mahdi. He returns, listen to this, as a radical Muslim. He comes back as a radical Muslim. He will arrive, by the way, at a minaret near Damascus and he will come back holding the wings of two angels who flew him down to meet the gathering army of the Mahdi in the east, the army of the black flags. Jesus, when he comes back, will pray to the Mahdi, who is greater than he. He will acknowledge the Mahdi as his Lord. He will make a pilgrimage to Mecca. He will worship Allah, and thus he will lead all Christians who will follow him to reject their notion of Jesus and accept the real Jesus who is nothing but a prophet and a man he will establish worldwide Sharia law he will become the greatest Muslim evangelist and he will be the final witness on the day of judgment against non-Muslims Christians everywhere will affirm that they were wrong, that the gospel is wrong, the New Testament is wrong, he didn't die, he didn't rise, he isn't God, he isn't the Son of God, he himself will come back and point out how wrong we've been. He will correct all misinterpretations and all misrepresentations. Let me quote what their literature says. He will shatter crosses. That's metaphoric for the destruction of the church symbol of Christianity being placed in the church. He will kill pigs. He will abolish the tax on non-Muslims because there won't be any living non-Muslims. Can't tax dead people. And then he will do one more thing. He will kill the Islamic Antichrist. He will kill the Islamic Antichrist. Then he will die and be buried by Muhammad, but not until he has destroyed Christianity by revealing who he really is. Who is this? You compare what he does to the false prophet in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, 16, 19, 20, referred to the beasts coming out of the earth, the false prophet, who aids and abets the Antichrist. He is, as the Mahdi is the exact replica of the Antichrist, the Jesus prophet in Islam is the exact parallel to the false prophet who aids and abets the Antichrist. One of their writings says he espouses the cause of the Mahdi. He is the Mahdi's executioner. He is the Mahdi's enforcer. He is the Mahdi's prophet. And it is he who kills the Antichrist. That leads me to the third person. The Antichrist will show up. The Muslims call him Dajjal. He is the great deceiver. He comes to earth on a mule. And he's blind in one eye. He is an infidel. He is a false miracle worker. This Antichrist, this Islamic Antichrist. But you know who he claims to be? He claims to be Jesus, the Son of God. He claims to be a deity. He will attempt to stop the Mahdi and the true Jesus. But the true Jesus will slaughter him. This is their view of the true Christ. Our Jesus is their Antichrist. Our Antichrist is their Redeemer. It is a satanic counterfeit that is in complete reverse. The army, this is a quote, the army of Satan will be led by a person who will claim to be Jesus Christ. There will be a great battle. The Muslim Jesus will fight the false Jesus and kill him and establish Islam forever. The truth is, the true Jesus will destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet and establish his kingdom forever. This is Satan's complete counterfeit. Muslim world domination. Now, somebody might say, well, you know, when you think about the future and what's going to happen in the world, don't we have a revived Roman Empire? Doesn't that mean the West? You remember that the image in Daniel, two of the final world empire had two legs, and the Roman Empire had the West and the East? You know, of course, if you know history, that the Western part of the Roman Empire basically dissolved, and the East survived for a thousand years or more. So that at the time of the New Testament 60% of the Roman Empire was land that is now under Muslim control, at least 60%. The vast majority of the Roman Empire in New Testament times is today under Muslim control And Islam is moving across the West rapidly in Europe, isn't it? When you have a picture in Ezekiel 38, you have a picture of the Antichrist Gog and you have the listing of eight nations that will be a coalition for the Antichrist. All eight of those are Muslim nations. All eight of them. And they ring the Mediterranean all the way to Libya. Revelation 17, 9 to 11, it says there were six kingdoms and then a seventh, and finally an eighth. What is the seventh? Well, there's been discussion about that. It well could be the Ottoman Turk Empire, which lasted 500 years and didn't really fall till the modern era. Turkish Empire was the last caliphate, which ended in 1923, and they're waiting for the restoration when the Mahdi comes. So right at the very end, somebody's going to say, I'm Jesus. Somebody else is going to say, I'm Jesus. Who are you going to believe? That's just one form of this deception that will show up at the end. And even now, it's deceiving people. There are a whole world of Muslims who who think Jesus is someone he is not. And consequently reject the true Jesus. Do not be deceived there's a world of Muslims deceived about the person of Jesus Christ. You cannot accommodate that by saying, Isn't it wonderful they love Jesus? They don't. Any other Jesus than the true Jesus is not Jesus. And if you worship any other than the true Jesus, you are cursed.
0: Wow, folks. I don't know about you, but I know I get blown away every time I hear about stuff like this. Regarding biblical prophecy. And so we're faced with a lot of spiritual conflict going on. This is spiritual warfare, folks. The enemy's doing everything he can with whatever power he has. Remember, his powers are weakened right now. But he's going to use it and transfer it onto his seed, the Antichrist, to go forth to deceive all the nations. That's what it shows in Revelation chapter 12 that he was casted onto the earth and he weakens the nations. So with this being said, I want to show you the, va- the contrasting factors in this last video of, you know, regarding this false prophet that's in uh, the false messiah that's coming through, the false son of man that's coming through. And we're going to do a comparative analysis in this last video and call it a day because I know it's a little lengthy, but very heavy stuff, folks. This is why when you read the Bible... You have to let the Holy Spirit guide you in this stuff. It gets deep, it gets very heavy, and sometimes it's so overwhelming even for me that I need to catch my breath on the things that the Lord reveals to me. Amen. So I'm gonna reveal this last video and then we're gonna end it with prayer. Amen. So let's take it away.
6: The coming Islamic Antichrist, will you be ready? People think of the Antichrist and the False Prophet, they usually think of the Pope, perhaps a future Russian or European leader. Some might even put modern day presidents on that list, but when the simple idea is mentioned that these two figures could actually be Islamic in nature, most people immediately tune out. Now I get it, we're speaking about a religion that has nearly 2 billion followers, a total of 26 countries worldwide, and is expected to become the dominant religion on the planet possibly within our generation. So how could we actually say that this faith with such global influence could be related to the prophecies in Revelation? Perhaps it's a hate-filled video full of Christian conspiracies that shouldn't be taken seriously. And this is what I want you to understand. This is not a video bashing the Muslim community in any way. They are perhaps the most loving and faithful people I have ever met, but this video is is a glance into a theory that most people have not really considered, especially in the West. When we take a deep dive into the teachings and beliefs of both faiths, specifically on the end times, we find something that cannot be ignored. Many don't actually know that Islam has an antichrist of its own, which can be compared to the biblical figure in certain ways. His name? Dajon, or Arabic for deceiver. He is a man that will come in the last days performing false miracles, will claim to be the God of the Jews in Jerusalem, and will deceive the world away from the Islamic faith. Now that sounds somewhat similar to the Bible's version, right? But here is where it starts to get scary. The John, in the midst of his rule, is said to be the direct enemy of two messianic figures that will come to oppose his dominion and establish the new Islamic world order. Now why is this story so unsettling you might ask? Well, according to the Biblical version, the Antichrist does not operate alone like the John, but rather has an accomplice. You know him as the false prophet, and together, these two individuals wage war on a single man. A man who also claims to be the god of the Jews, performs miracles, and leads people out of the Islamic faith. Who is this figure? Can you guess? His name? is Jesus Christ. When these two accounts are put side by side, they seem to be the exact same story, just from different perspectives. The roles are simply reversed. The heroes for one account are the enemies of the other. Islam's John is the Bible's Messiah, and Islam's Messiahs are the Bibles of Antichrist. Now that is a lot to take in. Believe me, I know. We haven't even begun to unravel the full mystery yet. But what you first need to understand is that the differences we see between these figures do not make its followers enemies in the same way. Christians are called to love their neighbor and Muslims to peaceful submission to Allah. It should not be viewed as one versus the other. This video was made in fact for both groups, the Muslim and the Christian. It's for the individual who wants to understand the warnings given by the prophets and apostles of old, to make themselves ready for the spirit of truth and the deception that's coming upon the entire world. Many people think the Bible is silent on the religion of Islam, considering it was written nearly 600 years before the Quran. But what if I told you the exact opposite? What if I told you Islam not only plays a minor role in the end times, but can actually be the main character? Okay, so you have seen how these two figures share striking similarities to each other. Islam's Dajjal and the Bible's Messiah. But this leaves us with so many questions. As a Christian, you may be trying to reconcile this fact. How could Islam's Antichrist actually be Jesus Christ? And as a Muslim, you may be wondering the same thing, but for a different reason. You have perhaps been taught that Dajjal will be killed by Jesus himself, thrust through by a spear, upon his return. But this confusion is actually where the heart of the issue lies. The man you see here, who is said to defeat the in battle, is named Isa al Masih, or in other words, Jesus Christ. What we are looking at in the accounts is none other than a battle between two men who claim to be Jesus. And now you see the mystery unfold. The two greatest religions on earth which combine account for 53% of the total world's population. Both claim to produce a version of Jesus near the end of time. But what is most interesting is that both accounts warn of the other as being a false christ. Confused yet? For false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray if possible. Even the elect now this seems to be a general warning of a great number of false prophets and false messiahs that will rise up to deceive the flock of God throughout history. And believe me, we already had plenty of those. But on further analysis, the biblical Jesus can be seen given very specific warnings about one specific figure. If anyone tells you there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning flashes from the east onto the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the biblical Jesus gives us the first and most specific example of how we can know it's really him, which is found in the book of Daniel. And I saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given dominion, glory, and kingship, that the people of every nation and language should serve him. So not only does the real Messiah come in great power and glory on the clouds of heaven, which every eye will see, but this Messiah will be honored and even worshiped alongside the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The High Priest asks, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And this is what we need to understand and all of those who will claim to be the Christ near the end of time. We can know for certain it truly is Him, not only by seeing Him in majesty on the clouds, but with His status next to the Father. This claim to be the Son of Man is, in fact, a claim to be divine, and even equal with the Father Himself. This is why in the end, they killed Him. We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God, and hopefully now you have made this connection. The Antichrist spirit at work in the world, which will arise at the end of days, will seek to deny Jesus as the Divine Son of God. And if possible, lead astray his elect. 600 years of the writing of these words, in a barren desert cave on the top of Mount Hira, located deep in Saudi Arabia. A man by the name of Muhammad, who frequented this cave for deep prayer and contemplation of his life, awoke suddenly from sleep, with what he initially described as a demonic presence that clung to him in the night. Recite! Ikra was the command of this being. Recite! Since Muhammad was illiterate and unable to fulfill this command, the being was said to have squeezed him forcefully three times until the end of his endurance, after which Muhammad would begin reciting the message in full. Now fleeing down the mountain in terror of his life, the voice shouted down, "O Muhammad, you are the messenger of Allah, and I am the angel Gabriel. And it was after this single moment in history, this single event, that the world would never be the same. In just a few short years after his first revelation, Muhammad's message would dominate all of Saudi Arabia, within a hundred, all of the Middle East. Fast forward to today, nearly 23% of the entire world's population claim to be followers of this message with adherents spreading all throughout the globe in many different shapes and sizes. But what exactly was this new message that would cause such a ruckus in the Middle East and would spark an entire global movement in such a short and rapid period of time? Well, as we have seen previously, it details a Dijon, or false messiah, that will come near the end of the age to lead astray the followers of Muhammad's message. Such a figure that is described almost identically to the Biblical Christ found in the pages of scripture. But what is at the heart of this new Islamic revelation is actually a claim about the nature of Jesus Christ that when fully understood seems to be the exact opposite of what the original Jesus claimed about himself, O people of the scripture. Do not commit excess in your religion or say about Allah except the truth. The Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, was but a messenger of Allah, so believe in Allah and his messengers. Do not say three trinity, desist, it is better for you. Indeed, Allah is but one God, exalted is he above having a son. So this Jesus or Messiah of the Quran is far different from the man we saw in Daniel where the Son of Man sits at the right hand of the Father and claims to be equal with Him. Or even the man seen in the Gospels as he is condemned to death for blasphemy and claiming to be equal with God. No, this Jesus was only a messenger, a prophet. In fact, this verse actually commands that any Christian or people of the scripture that claims the word Trinity three within the verse should stop immediately upon even saying the word. And there you have it. A direct denial of the Trinity, which was the foundational warning we saw previously. So these words mark true in the most ultimate sense. This is the Antichrist. He that denies the Father and the Son. But what does this actually mean? Does this mean Isa al Masih, or the Islamic Jesus, is the Antichrist? Well, we're not quite there yet we must first come to understand the other and far more crucial difference between the figures in order to unlock the mystery. Not only does the Quran directly deny the divine status of the Christ as revealed in scripture, but it even denies His original mission. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, this foundational truth was a mystery kept secret for thousands of years, and the prophets themselves looked forward to the day that the mystery would be revealed. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now has been revealed to God's people. And although John 3.16 gives us the summary of what he did for the world, it does not stop there. Many people have seen these words, etched on the back of their favorite coffee mugs, but they fail to read the remainder of the verse. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Anyone who does not believe in Him is already judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is this, the light has come into the world, but the men love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked, You are a respectable Jewish teacher and yet you do not understand these things. Jesus replied, The Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. The Son of Man, the one equal with the Father, must die and be lifted up on that cross in order to make forgiveness of sins possible that is the heart of the christian gospel nay the gospel of jesus himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of christ's blood on the cross you were his enemies separated by your evil thoughts and actions yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of christ in his physical body that is the key did you catch it in his physical body it is abundantly clear that in order to believe in the son of man he must actually believe that he did, in fact, die on that cross, physically died, and was physically raised. And here is where we come full circle, folks, because not only did that message given by Muhammad deny the Son of God and his original claim, but it even denied the fact that he died on that cross. And speaking about the death of Jesus, they say, we killed the Messiah, Jesus, Son of Mary, but they neither killed him nor crucified him, it was only made to appear so. Even those who argue for this crucifixion are in doubt, they have no knowledge whatsoever, only making assumptions, they certainly did not kill him. Rather, Allah raised him up to himself. So the words of John 3.16 are nothing but a lie, for according to this verse, Jesus escaped the cross by the hand of Allah and it was made to appear that he died to his believers. God did not love the world, for he did not send his only Son, that whoever believes in him may not have eternal life. That was the message given to Muhammad by that angel that day. But another important message was given by the exact same angel nearly 600 years prior to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel. His kingdom will never end. So did Gabriel change his mind about the nature of the Christ when he revealed himself to Muhammad later on in history? I mean, you couldn't get a more stark contrast from both encounters. On his first arrival, he proclaims he will be called Son of the Most High, and on his second, exalted as God from having a son. Gabriel revealed himself to Mary in a peaceful manner, and she is almost immediately comforted while Muhammad was suffocated to the point of exhaustion and fled down the mountain in panic of his life. We need to really look at these messages given by both accounts and decide which one was the truth and which one is the lie, for they both cannot be true. Just as we must decide which Jesus is the correct one, the one revealed in scripture or the one revealed in the Quran. And now, perhaps you are ready for the cold hard truth because according to the foundational Islamic sources, amidst his great war, or some might say rebellion against the Jewish Messiah and his Jewish followers, the Islamic Jesus is said to be the very one who will lead a great revolution, very similar to the one seen in the book of Revelation. Within this Hadith, we see exactly what Islam teaches about the return of its Christ. He will descend to the earth He will break the cross, kill swine, and abolish jizya. Allah will perish all religions except Islam. The first of these actions when the Muslim Jesus returns to the earth is described as breaking the cross, which is universally understood to mean that he will seek to abolish Christianity in the world. Jesus, the son of Mary, will soon descend among the Muslims as a just judge. Jesus will therefore judge according to the law of Islam All people will be required to embrace Islam and there will be no other alternative. This Jesus, when he arrives on the scene, will break every cross in sight and will denounce any church or person that believes in their crucified and risen Messiah. The second of these actions that the Muslim Jesus will perform is something known as killing the swine. Now this is another term that is recognized unanimously as meaning he will lead the battle and perhaps even genocide against the Jewish people in the last days. Now this might be surprising or even offensive to some, but it is found in the most reliable sources dating back to the time of Muhammad. The Prophet said, the last hour would not come until the Muslims would fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them until so the Jews would hide behind a stone or a tree. And a stone or a tree would say, Muslim! Servant of Allah! was a Jew behind me! Come and kill him!" A famous Islamic scholar details exactly what he thinks this verse means. The battle with the Jews will surely come. The decisive Muslim victory is coming without a doubt, and the Prophet spoke about it in more than one Hadith. The Day of Resurrection will not come without the victory of the Muslims over the descendants of the monkeys and pigs. In their annihilation. Now this leaves us with his third and most mysterious action, abolishing the jizya tax. Now this is very important to understand. During the time of Muhammad, if a Muslim Arab army conquered your land and you did not wish to convert to Islam, you could pay a tax to your Muslim overlord, otherwise you would have to convert to Islam by force. This tax was considered religiously tolerant in some ways as it allowed Jews and Christians and any other religion to exist within Islam's borders as long as they paid the tax. This will not be so when the Muslim Jesus returns. When he leads the conquest of the world under the banner of Islam, he will abolish the option of this tax outright and thus all non-believers in Islam will have one of two options when conquered, convert or die. These three options, breaking the cross, killing the swine, and abolishing the jizya tax all point to one devastating reality, forced conversion. In his quest to subject the world to Allah on his return, Isa al masih will be the primary enforcing agent of Islam and its primary executioner. He will ultimately control the economy of his conquered lands, which according to Islamic doctrine, would be the entire world. After abolishing the Christian faith, leading the war on the Jews, and controlling the economy, Issa al-Masih will establish the New World Order. But if you thought the Muslim Jesus was the main character in this grand Islamic epic, you would be dead wrong. See, Issa al-Masih is really only said to play the supporting role in the Hadiths. Perhaps that is surprising to you, as the Jesus of the Bible is described as the Alpha and the Omega, Everlasting Father, the Beginning and the End. But the reality is, the Islamic Jesus is said to only be a prophet. The False Prophet Revelation 13 details the rise of the False Prophet in relation to the great rebellion and war against Christians and Jews taking place under the authority of the Devil. Then I saw a second beast, coming out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. This beast or person that rises up is described as a lamb, which in biblical terminology is always used in reference to Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, fall on us, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. This influential person will rise up as if he were in fact Jesus Christ but in reality, he will speak and act like a dragon. In the Islamic world, and even those who do not hold to the warnings of the original Jesus, he will appear to be the real, authentic Jesus Christ, having returned to correct the world that he was not the divine Son of God, nor had he died for the sins of the world. He will look like a lamb, but will speak like a dragon. Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, are ravening wolves. The Islamic Jesus, it is his claim to be the real, authentic, Lamb-like Christ, will rally his nearly two billion followers to his cause and will be so convincing to the non-Islamic world that many will actually believe that he was not the divine Son of God, nor had he died for the sins of the world. And then, many will fall away and betray one another, and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will go cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now this beast described in Revelation will also seek to mimic the miracle-working signs of the original Jesus to deceive the world. It performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of people. And because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Deception, false miracles, forced conversion. The false prophet in Revelation is the very one who will deceive the world. And indeed, the warning given by the Biblical Jesus speaks loud and clear. So if somebody tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look, or look, here he is, do not believe it. It is for all these devastatingly similar realities that the Bible, when speaking of the coming false prophet, may in fact be speaking of the Islamic Jesus but this mystery continues to thicken. See, the Book of Revelation describes the primary goal of the false prophet in the midst of his global campaign to convert the world by force is actually to lead the world into the submission and subjugation of the Antichrist. So this leaves us with the final question of this video. Who then is the Antichrist? It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. Now this term worship in the verse is actually translated as proskeneo, which in the Greek is most likely used for submission. Take for instance this same verse in Revelation, where the biblical Jesus is speaking to his church. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. behold." I will make them come and bow down before your feet, proskuneo, and they will learn that I have loved you. Clearly, he was not telling his church that the synagogue of Satan will bow before them in godlike worship. No, the term proskuneo here is used to describe submission to his church. In the same way, while many modern Bibles translate proskuneo within Revelation 13.12 as worship for a god it is far more likely a term used to submit to a kingly ruler or authority. And indeed, it is the very role of the false prophet to lead the world into the total submission and subjugation of the Antichrist. It is no wonder then, that the Islamic Jesus, in wielding major influence over his followers seeking to fight the John and forcibly converting the world, that he will seek in a moment of military conquest to submit the world into the service of a single man. And this man is known as the 12th Imam, the body Well, there you have
0: it, folks. I mean, the... I presented all the evidence to you, and at the end of the day it's it's your decision to make up your mind about where you stand. Choose ye this day where you stand is what Joshua said. But keep in mind one thing we're in cosmic conflict regarding God's character, the one true living God's character that is. and I pray that you understand the nature of what spiritual warfare is about and I pray that you. Start seeking the one true living God and understanding The nature of who Jesus Christ really truly is Remember these are the titles of who Satan is at the end of the day so we must be able to identify who he is and His attributes his personality of who he is so that we don't end up fighting against each other Do you understand this very serious stuff folks and just to make one thing clear? He has a very highly organized Demonic realm himself. Everything that God has uh, created, Yahweh, the Hebrew God, he did the same. He's very organized in his structure for his satanic kingdom, and which is why he's going to bring this kingdom to the earth first and try to establish it. And I believe he's going to use the Muslims' religion to enforce it upon us you could see through evidence right now around the world as as really in parts of Europe and the United States how this is being forced upon people How people are talking about wanting to force Sharia law uh, especially in England and in um, other parts of Europe but there's in some countries like the Netherlands and in Italy there's a big pushback on this they're getting tired and fed up of this And I pray here in the United States, too, we can rise up as a nation. We talk about being proud, prideful of our country, being proud of who we are as American people. But I don't see that anymore, folks. I pray you rise up and start taking a stand. We have a big war we're dealing with, folks. Just to clarify, this is what Satan does regarding demonic activities. For those of you who don't know, he will try to send demons to possess you. He'll cause sickness and illnesses and diseases to, to come into you. He'll sometimes cause you to be mute, to not speak. He's tried to do that to me before, but I rebuked him. I fought against it. I prayed hard and fervently. He tries to make you blind, physically speaking, and spiritually speaking, too. He causes your body to convulse, seizures, uh, types of uh, you know strokes and whatnot. He causes for you to be insane. To lose your mind to not be sound in your mind to go through all sorts of mental illnesses he causes the for you to have these the, the outbursts these disturbances where you just out of nowhere just speak loudly and just act irrational most importantly i want to point this one out it's paralysis this is the same thing mohammed went under sleep paralysis as I described in my other video, and I believe he was satanically attacked by the enemy, that he was attacked by the enemy spiritually, and those demonic spirits had entered into him, and it thus caused for him to act so irrational in his ways of doing. His behaviors were erratical and, un- uh, and unbelievable. I believe he was plagued by a demonic presence because it started with sleep paralysis, where he was getting choked to, get- to death, this i have experienced from the enemy too where I, and i'm sure i'm not the only one who's experienced that And if you have an experience with that please put it in the comments section so that people can know this is coming from the devil i have experienced sleep paralysis a few times because i've told the truth concerning the word of the god from the bible and he wanted to shut me up so the best way he can do it is through my dreams where i'm the most vulnerable He causes trouble to, or to undergo a hardship from a continual annoyance. Meaning, whatever that case may be. He also removes the word of God from the hearts of men. We just went through this whole series of videos, folks. He will cause for you to to be removed from the word of God. To become apostate of the word of God. So you end up falling victim to this demise. His plans. Amen. Keep in mind that in the last days, that a person who becomes a Christian, they receive Christ as His Lord and personal Savior. Those who are truly saved. But keep in mind also the enemy has strongholds that he puts against that person within that person's soul, whether it be regarding the mind and the will and the emotions, which thus influences his bodies, his actions, his habits, his behaviors to sin. Now the effect of that is it's going to affect your spirit man and it's going to affect the nature of the holy spirit that operates within you which is connected with the holy spirit of God and thus it get becomes quenched over the period of time or thus you become overcome you overcome You're overcome, excuse me, by the soulish man. And thus you inhibit fleshly desires more than you do the Holy Spirit and to live by godliness. So this is another expression of living by the flesh. Okay, very, very important to take note of. Now to end this, I want to make one thing important to each and every one of you and make one thing clear to you. The Bible is a living word. It is the one book that saved my life and my soul from perishing. It is the word that had become flesh. It is the word that has saved us from our sins that stood in our way so that we wouldn't have to die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. It is the word of God that will transpire through all nations so that the end of these things can come to to its final end. Amen. There's nothing like the word of God. Uh, like like i have quite bared witness to these prophecies are truly mind-blowing and everything that you see regarding prophecy biblical prophecy even into the new testament is happening today hallelujah this is true power folks and i'm talking and talking from experience with um you know as being an ex-witch and an ex-satanist This is true power that dominated over me and humbled me and caused for me to change. I'm glad I changed. I'm glad my eyes are open. I'm glad I can see now. I'm glad that I now now know the truth concerning the Word of God. Now with this being said, I wanted to ask you one last question. Do you still believe that there's any chance that Christianity and Islam could ever coexist? The answer is no. It can never coexist and with this i'm going to share one last video before we get into prayer amen amen sorry folks
4: of the one world religion that is spoken in revelation 13. i believe i believe that the seeds of this one world religion have already been sown for years now and we are starting to see the budding the budding of this movement. One of the manifestations of this is Chris Long. I'm gonna go ahead and teach somebody something here this morning. Pastor, what's Chris Long? Well, thank you for asking. Here's their logo. You notice the colors, the white and green. I'm going to talk about the green horse here in a couple of weeks, but white is the color of Christianity. Green is the sacred color of Islam. All right. Chrislam is an attempt to syncretize Christianity with Islam. While it began in Nigeria in the late 70s, early 80s, Chrislamic ideas have spread throughout much of the world, including the USA. The essential concept of Chrislam is that Christianity and Islam are compatible. That one can be a Christian and a Muslim at the same time. Chrislam is not an actual religion of its own, but a blurring of the differences And the distinctions between Christianity and Islam.
0: Are you with me?
4: Listen, Church. Christianity and Islam cannot mix. Listen. Jesus is the Christ. Yes, is. Jesus is the only begotten son of God
0: Hallelujah.
4: Jesus is God yes. incarnate yes. Jesus was crucified Jesus died more importantly Jesus rose again on the third day and is alive forever and the Islamic religion denounces all of the above So hear me when I tell you somebody, that's a deal breaker. There is no unity with Islam. Let me go on. Muhammad was a false prophet. Jesus is God incarnate. The Quran is a false book. Your Bible is the true and living word yes, of right. God. Amen. Islam is a false religion. Yes, because listen, there is only one name one under heaven whereby we can be saved and it's the name of j-e-s-u-s jesus somebody in the house of judah give him a praise here this morning
5: Amen. Hallelujah. Is,
4: uh... my my now listen listen If you're watching by television, watching by this broadcast, you might call me intolerant. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because listen, truth has zero tolerance. Truth by definition is intolerant. One plus one is two. That's truth. Well, pastor, I feel it should be three. I don't care what you feel. (laughs) Well, I was thinking that if we, I don't care what you think. Truth. Listen to me, somebody. By definition is intolerant that does not mean we don't love people because we love everybody we've been called to love the world but we cannot move from our position of truth that jesus is the way the truth and the life come on somebody praise him in the house of judah Before I go on, let me make myself abundantly clear. I am not, I am not Islamophobic. Right. I do not hate Muslims. I don't. Are you getting that? Listen, I do not hate Muslims. Hallelujah. On the contrary, we love the Muslim. Yes,
0: we do. We support
4: outreach in Muslim countries. But hear me, I love you enough to speak the truth to you.
0: Amen.
4: That if you wish to have eternal life in paradise, you must call on the one whose name is Isa, or Jesus, who you recognize as a prophet. Because if you believe that he's a prophet, prophets can't lie. That's
0: right. Amen.
4: Jesus said on the way, of the truth, of the,
0: truth and of the life.
4: life, nobody from nowhere, from no country, but under the, the Father, yes. but by the name of Jesus. Come
0: on, Judah. Hallelujah. Pastor Mike, do you understand this, folks? Do you understand this now? Do you understand the spiritual nature of things? Do you understand why Jesus is the true Messiah? Why he came to the earth? Why he helped us to be where we need to be? Do you understand that he was a propitiation for our sins? Do you understand he had to die for us because otherwise we would die for in in our own sins? There was someone who came on our behalf and says, I will die for you, but I want you to live for me. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus Christ. And I had the personal experience of seeing him myself. I thought I would never in a million years ever see him. I thought he hated me so much that I was so full of sin that he would never forgive me, that he would never use me, that he would never take me in but that is the lie from the devil himself. Jesus saw me, he saw my afflictions, he saw me and took pity upon me, and he rescued me from my miry pit of sins. He put me on a firm rock, he told me to go preach the word of God and to send me on my way. He told me to do these things, hallelujah. I saw Jesus Christ of Nazareth myself with my own two eyes in my sleep. Now you could go and take that to the bank. Because I know what I saw. And that's why I stand on the word of God. That's why I stand on the Bible. And that's why I'm going to continue to expose the works of darkness of Satan. Because I know he's a liar. He is a deceiver. And he's going around deceiving and weakening the nations in their faith. And I ask of you and I call upon you to receive the repentance of Jesus Christ and salvation. So you may be redeemed from your sins. And you could stand tall and stand firm in his army. And fight against this evil work of darkness like I'm doing right now. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Spirit working through me right now. That is passion for my Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ that I have, my true Jesus Christ who died for me so that I can live. What are you going to do about your salvation if you're not saved? Time is ticking. The prophetic clock is ticking, folks. The Lord gave me eyes to see and ears to hear. He embedded the Holy Spirit upon me so that I may go preach the works of goodness, of righteousness, of holiness, the works of salvation, for so that in hopes that one soul, just one soul, may be saved over to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm not about to give up this fight. And Satan knows this too and I'm about to bring this war to Satan's court. I pray that many of you will be strengthened in these last days. You need to put the whole armor of God on. I don't care what you are at the end of the day. Put on the whole armor of God on right now and start fighting this fight because this war is far from over. This war has just begun. It's begun since the timing of the Garden of Eden. It is our time right now, beloveds, brothers and sisters all over the world to stand up and fight. I don't care where you come from. Put on this armor of God, the armor. Who, what's the armor of God? Somebody asked the armor of God is your Bible. Read your Bible. So you know how to be trained up in spiritual warfare to fight against the attacks of Satan. I know how he thinks. I know how he acts. I know his tactics. I used to work for him. I don't anymore. I severed my ties of him. I grew tired of dealing with him because I would experience the same things as Muhammad the prophet did. I would get spiritually attacked to the point where I wanted to commit suicide myself. That is not of God. That is of Satan. When Jesus saved me, I never felt so different in my life. Something happened from within me that changed that is my god who worked inside of me and he still does to this very day just as he's doing for a lot of you out there jesus wants to save you from your sins from the lies that satan is putting you through he wants to save you from the conditioning of the lies that you're believing from other people he doesn't want you to follow people he wants you to follow him he says it in two words follow me Hallelujah, but the only way you can do is by faith By grace you will be saved because of your faith Not of your works that any of you should boast about you don't get into heaven by boastful pridefulness You don't get into work by being pious you don't get into to the, the the kingdom of heaven Excuse me by by doing the works of the Lord and saying well, I did this I did that I did this But have you operated in spirit and in truth is my question. Have you operated in faith? Have you exhorted and exemplified yourself to have the same kind of faith as Abraham did? Do you remember the story of Abraham? Where he walked out by faith into a different land. And he left everything behind. And took whatever was with him. He took it with him to go to a place that was unknown to him. But yet the Lord blessed him and counted it all for righteousness. Why? Because he had faith. He believed in this God, the God of the Hebrews. His name is Yahweh, that very name that he gave to Moses to give to the Israelites, the Hebrews, so that they may know who is the one true living God that is going to send those plagues onto the Egyptians who's uh, deceitful in their lies and their deceptions. That's a similar type of deception that's going to be used in the last days. We're living in a greater exodus, folks. And the cries are going to be louder than ever that are going to go up to the Lord so that the Lord will take vengeance on behalf of those who've been beheaded, the souls who've been beheaded, those who died for Christ Jesus in their faith, and those who he's going to protect in these last days. My question to you is, are you going to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? And if you're ready to do so, I present to you with this prayer. This is a sample prayer to you if you don't know how to pray. I'm telling you if once you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you will be saved. It says in the Bible, blessed is he who calls upon the name of the Lord for the one who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is the very thing I did when Satan came after me in my sleep. He killed me in my sleep. My soul was about to perish. Until I called upon the name of the Lord in my mind, because he was busy choking me to death. He got in my bed, he got on top of me, and he choked me to death. And the only way I could call upon the name of the Lord was in my mind. The Lord heard my voice. He knew I was in trouble, and he rescued me from my enemy. Hallelujah. Jesus put my soul back in my body. I was resurrected. I felt my body levitate off of the pillow. And I I felt a gasping, a breath of life reenter into my body. How do you explain that one? I'm alive today because of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God. I'm alive because of him. And I do stand firm on everything he said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So with this being said, my brothers and sisters, I pray it is within my prayer in these last days that you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's not much time, folks. We don't have much time on the prophetic clock. And I pray that you pray this prayer as a part of your practice on learning how to pray. Don't pray mundane, repetitious prayers. Our fathers hail Mary's 50 million times like the Catholics do. Only their vain words will be heard, but that's all they're going to get as the reward. The Lord says, come and speak to me, right? For those of you who do know, have a conversation with him. Talk to him. He hears your voice. Did he not hear the voice of Hagar in the wilderness? Did he not tend to her when Ishmael was upon his moment of death? He hears our voices. He knows deep in our hearts we grieve we cry because we can't make it alone We need somebody of a higher power to help us and that is through our so- the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ The Father allows for these things to happen. He gave up to half of his power To exhort because he's now the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen so with this being said I pray that many of you will come to Jesus Christ stop resisting stop denying him stop trying to fight this you will never receive salvation if you keep resisting and fighting and allowing for the enemy to doing a working in you deliver yourself of all evil get yourself cleansed get your houses in order jesus will come back a second time be ready and keep ready get ready this big wedding is about to happen and i want you to be a part of this wedding it's a marriage supper feast for the bride we're all invited to this wedding won't you come to the wedding we leave an open invitation for you too even jesus says i'll leave a seat open for you in fact he says does one better revelation chapter 3 line 20 behold i stand at the door and knock he knocks at the door of your heart folks and if any man hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in to him. And I will sup with him and then he will be with me. Hallelujah. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you acknowledge that. He will receive you unto himself and he will profess your name. He will confess your name unto the Father and claim you to be his chosen one. Amen. Keep in mind this is the our King Jesus. His power is unmatchable. His wisdom is uncompre, un, incomprehensible. His victory is indefeatable. His love is unconditional. His joy is unspeakable. His glory is untouchable. His honor is indisputable. His healing is indescribable. His majesty is incompre, incomparable. His fire is unquenchable. His holiness is indefilable. His grace is inexhaustible. His knowledge is immeasurable. His purity is unattainable. His beauty is inexpressible. His name is indefinable. And yet we know him as God. Hallelujah. Give God all the honor, glory, praise, and thanks. Share this good news, folks. There is hope in the midst of this world of darkness. We're not going to be left in doom and gloom. Hold fast whatever you have left and let nobody take away your crown amen amen so this is how you would receive salvation if this is your first time book of romans chapter 10 lines 9 and 10 says the following if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and that you believe in your heart that god had in fact risen from the dead you will be saved hallelujah it's so simple this is exactly how i got saved I confessed with my mouth. And I believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. I was saved. I went from sorrow in the evening to joy in the morning. That's an amazing God we have. And we have an amazing son. The king of kings and the lords of lords. There's no one quite like him that can do exactly what anybody else could do. He is just the most supreme sovereign ruler. Hallelujah. Amen. That's all I have today, folks. I know there was a lot to exi- examine. I hope you learned a lot, especially for Christians who don't really know too much about this. And for the Muslims, I hope you learn the truth about who Jesus Christ really is. Stop relaying yourself, relying on the Quran. That's not who our Jesus is. He's a lot bigger than that. And I just shared with you, I had personal experiences with him. And even a lot of Muslims, too, have had personal testimonial experiences of seeing him. Why do you think they changed? They saw Jesus the same way. I'm sure the same way I saw Jesus. We had different experiences, of course. But we all. the point is, we all saw Jesus at different times. Amen. He's doing this in the last days. He's going to reveal himself to those who wish to receive him. And I pray you be one of those people that have a desire and a heart to receive him, just like I do. The last thing that you want to do is end up on the other side of the table and and Jesus says to you, Depart from me, you worker of evil. I never knew you. Those are the words I do not want to hear when I get judged. The words I do want to hear is, Well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that you would hear the same words too when your time comes to judgment as well. Amen. All right. So that's all I have for today, folks. And I'm sorry for this being extra long, but the Lord put it in my spirit to share all this stuff. We're going to go and work on the Bible. Do If you want to join me for Bible study, please feel free. I got to check my Bible study list. Um, for some reason, it was set up as private for some reason. I don't know why it was, but, uh, and uh, I tried to change it and, um, I don't know, but you could still access it if you just go through the videos list. And so I'm trying to compile a playlist out of that again to see if that will help, you know, solve its problems. But all right, this is all I have for now. Thank you so much for being patient and enduring through this video. I know it was very long and I'm sorry, but this is a lot to say. And I pray for my Muslim brothers and sisters. I love you so much that I'd be willing to snatch you out of the fire myself. But it's your decision at the end of the day the lord tell is telling everyone make your choice at the end of the day he has a heart out for you he really wants to do something mighty with you there's something i'm sensing in my spirit right now he wants to do something big for you guys i don't know what it is but i sense that it's something big hallelujah Well, I pray that many of you will continue to hold fast on your faith. Keep that whole armor of God on. Stay rooted in the Bible. Don't let no man deceive you by any means. Check the scriptures. Test the spirits. And pray. Meditate. Never cease praying. Meditate on the Bible, on the word, day and night. Do the will of the Father. Obey the commands, institutes. And yes, this includes both the Old Testament and the New. That is the whole letter of the message of the gospel. Amen. All right, folks. So I'm going to stop it right here. This is Sister Sonia from Last Remnant of God's Army. I pray that this has been a very helpful and sobering message for each and every one of you, for both Christians and Muslims, and the fact that we cannot coexist, but there's only one way that we can coexist together, and that's in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So signing off right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make the heavens shine upon you. Lift up his countenance from you. May and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his, counten- his uh, countenance from you. May he give you peace in these last days. Amen. Brothers and sisters, stay strong. This is a big fight. It's going to be ugly, but it, we're going to have a beautiful ending. Okay? So stay strong. Stay hopeful. This is Sister Sonia, last round into God's army. Take care, everyone. Shalom. God bless you. I love you all. And we'll see you in the next video. Take care now.